Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Ah, uh, buckle up. It might be a bumpy ride. Morning, everybody. I'm Mike Murphy. Who are you? Well, the Chicago baseball, it's definitely a bumpy ride. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> You're Fred Hubner. Jeez, I certainly am. <laughs> I Aggravated, as always, on a Saturday morning when both teams lose. We've got about uh, 10 hours to shove into the three-hour show. Plenty of baseball talk. We'll pepper in Bears talk. And who knows? Maybe even that I can't wait to see... A new movie coming out. Fred used to do those movie reviews. Yeah, I used to. Hey, we'll talk about all the important things. Yeah. I promise we'll talk about all the important things happening at Bears training camp. Okay, are we done? Yeah, we're finished. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, uh, Riley Ridley, <laughs> strained hamstring. We'll get, we'll get back to you on, uh, you know after the opener with the Packers. we got to do six weeks of talking about uh, Riddle Green Bay, right? Yeah. Uh, my, my first you know game that Thursday guy, night, Green That guy, Bay. When, he, when he pulled on that run, he just didn't pull strong <laughs> enough. Will he be able to do it against the Packers? We don't know. Well, I'm going to Bourbon A Monday morning. Be there about 8.15 and uh, see what's going on. But... Let's not delay. Five days till the trading deadline. That means Rick Hahn. That means Theo Epstein. Both could do a lot. Both could do nothing. Right. You know, it's, it's got to be the roughest time of the year. I, I don't know. Do you think it's the roughest time of the year to be in the big chair? The general managers. Remember Ned Coletti's book? I the, do. The big chair. I'm a third of a way through it. I didn't know how much he liked <laughs> and didn't like certain people in baseball. Hey, let's go to a guy that's been in the big chair. Ned Coletti calls in from Parts Unknown. Now he's in Chicago, ESPN Chicago. Murph and Fred, good morning, Ned. Good morning, Fred. You only made it a halfway through. It's been out two years. <laughs> I know. I'm a slow reader. I want to make sure. I want to make sure I get everything done. Uh, you know, and there's there's some great some great awesome stuff about your upbringing and all this stuff and how you got started and your your uh, back and forth with Larry Himes was fun. it was an interesting part. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> you said, yeah but, it he, was. but he did send but he did send you a congratulations note right right after you got a you did read it you yeah. did read the book. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's good, man. You're, you're impressive, buddy. That's good. See, the reason Fred's zipping through it is he skips every time he sees my name. He, I'm, I'm skipping to the next chapter of Murph's in it again. All right, fans, say hi to Ned Coletti, longtime general manager, the big chair author uh, at the Los Angeles Dodgers, longtime assistant GM, San Francisco Giants, Chicago Cubs. Ned, the next five days, the clock's ticking. When you were in the big chair and the assistant big chair all those many years, the body clock, uh, your adrenaline, where these next five days you pretty much said, I'm not going to be sleeping. I might as well just be resigned to the fact I'm not sleeping for the next five days. Well, you may take a nap here and there, but that's about it. It's <laughs> going to be It's so interesting right now because you have so many teams that are in the wild card hunt. And they have to make a philosophical decision whether or not they think they can continue to to go and continue to try and win one to play in and then win win a series after that. I mean, if you look back at the '97 White Sox, Ron Truer made that that famous white flag trade with uh, with us Giants back then, whatever three back at Cleveland, 
uh, in the Central AL Central and ended up trading because you didn't think get much further. You've got about a dozen teams sitting in Ron Truer's shoes right now. Well, let me, let me ask you, Augmenta, on that. The uh, wild card has changed dramatically. The rules used to be, as we all recall, you had the three teams win the division and the one wild card, which meant you had a full, uh, what, five-game series. Now, as yes. Cub, Cub fans brutally remember last year, now with the two wild cards, it's one and done. Would not that, Ned, uh, affect how a GM uh, now looks at, well, we got to make the wild card? Or maybe, you know, you know what, I'm not rolling the dice two or three of my best young guys in the minors for that flip-a-coin one-and-done game. It's got to be a little bit different as you look at it overall now or, or no? Well, it is. It, it definitely is. You also have, I think you have two components tied to that. I think you have the one you just explained. Uh, you know, How much am I going to give up to play maybe one more game? 50-50 is going to be one more game. Secondly, is it well? Actually, three points. Secondly, if I do win the one game, do I have enough to get through in the NL case, the LA Dodgers after that? Or am I doing this really for like an extra week of baseball? Then you've got the other side of it, where teams haven't been to the postseason for ten years, fifteen years, haven't you know their fan base doesn't even recall it. Yeah, and you got a chance even to play one game. Which, if you're a GM on the hot seat. You know, getting into the one game has got value to you. You're a manager on the hot seat, it's got a little bit of value to you, fan base value to you. But so it's a really tough time. And by virtue of only having one mm. trading deadline this year, that that really kind of focuses in. I suspect the last 36, 24 hours that there'll be more action than there is any other time because I think everybody's going to wait till that last minute to decide sure. in or out and can we get what we want. Yeah, Ned, I was going to ask you, because there is just one, do you think the general managers are happy that there's only one? Are they upset? Do they always like that second one where they can they can make a deal a month later? Well, for about 24 years, I, we, we had a chance to win 22 out of 24. So I was always looking for one more deadline. I was always looking for one more time to you know, reload a little bit. I mean, you're not going to change your team dramatically, although we were able to do that one time again with Boston. But you know you can you can find a quote a spare part. You get an injury to one of your relief pitchers the first couple of weeks of August. You can go out and usually find somebody that you think can can fill that role. Extra infielder. You're going to start. You're going to find a starting third baseman. No. You're going to find a starting uh, top of the rotation pitcher. No. But you could find another another part that can help you. But now now you know when you, once you get to one o'clock Pacific, three o'clock Central, four o'clock Eastern on, on the thirty first, whoever you got. That's who you're going with. Hey, Ned, uh, on that topic, the average fan, you know, doesn't, we don't think a lot about ownership, but how much, in general, you know, does the owner now get involved with a, a team? Number one, are we going for it or are we going to reload? And, you know, it could be, let's just say, down to the last day or two. A team could win the next three and feel good about themselves. Or a team could lose the next three and say, you know what, this ain't our year. Number one, how often or how much is the owner going to step in at this point? Or is each team different? But more than that, number two, there's money involved, and now you have to bring the owner in, I would guess, or maybe not, when there's a lot of dough involved either direction. Well, there may be a, a case where the owner just listens to what's gone down, but I think that would be rare today. I think owners are very much involved. Uh, they've got a lot at stake. There's a lot of different moving parts, your marketing, your tickets, 
Are we in? Are we out? How much is it going to cost? But how much are we? What are we going? To, what are we willing to tell our fan base? What are we saying to our players? Because one of the downsides of one deadline is, if you're close and you decide that you're going to trade two or three players, your players know when they come back in that clubhouse at, at the at the night of uh, the 31st of July, you got a night game. They know the team just basically gave up. So I do think ownership is involved deeply. Uh, it depends really how much experience they have that is going to dictate really where they where they come in on discussions because some do not have a lot of experience in that ownership. Right, they can do just about anything. So, Those that have been around a while, they're, they're a little bit more more discerning as to, to what we're going to do. They they've seen it. They've been through the walk before. But uh, ownership at this stage, with the amount of money that is involved in Major League Baseball. I'd be surprised if they're not in some of the meetings with your baseball operations leadership. Um, and at least uh, every time, every yeah. few hours, you're getting a phone call. <laughs> Let's go back about 30 seconds. And you talked about the team down in the locker room on August 1st. Uh, how much, oh, by the way, we're visiting with Ned Clutty. His next book is coming out as The Hot Seat. It's a follow-up <laughs> to The Big Chair. <laughs> the Hot Seat. I like that. Maybe we get your publisher and say, let's just rebrand it, uh, The Hot Seat, and put the same book out. Maybe they'll buy it twice. Maybe Murph and Fred will buy it again. But, uh, I'll, get, I'll get Fred the audio copy of that one. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I think we as fans don't always figure, you know, Okay, so you got 25 players down in the locker room, and they come in August 1st. They're all jacked up. Hey, the ownership, the general manager, the team's behind us. Look who they just delivered. Or they can come in and say, uh, maybe maybe they're not in it to win it. Uh, quit on us if you want to use the phrase. How much does that factor in at all? Uh, to the general manager, you know what? I think the team down there they need they need a jolt. Or if I don't do something, they're going to be flat. That's all. I guess part of the overall calculation. I think it's really important. I, I've, I've been through many situations where we did it, whether it was San Francisco or LA, and we made a big deal at the deadline, and that room lit up uh, in San Francisco. If you remember the big cat, Andres Galarraga. We acquired him at the deadline from Texas when we're back in San Fran. Uh-huh. And the whole room lit up. Uh, in in uh, L.A., at Manny Ramirez, uh, out of nowhere, the 31st of July. And, uh, hmm. you know, it, it made a massive difference. Uh, players know. And players, you get to this point, it's not. It's a little bit of the dog days are coming. And, and you're tired. You're mentally tired. You're physically tired. You're banged up a little bit. And I think it's an affirmation that the front office and the ownership realize, hey, You've crushed it for the last four months plus spring training, and now here we're bringing you a little bit of a reinforcement. And I think it's I think it's got a psychological advantage to it. If you're not if you're not that good a team, and you add just a player, is it going to make you a great team? No. But if you've got an average team that's that's kind of making trying to make the wild card, and you've got a chance to do something, and you don't do anything, that that may just that may be the end of that. That season for that club. Uh, I think uh, the psychology of it is huge. Fred, wait till you get to page 197 of the big chair. <laughs> the chapter, Manny World. It's what Fred, uh, Ned just alluded to a moment ago. So it's July 31st, and uh, uh, Ned's in the big chair over at Chavez Ravine. And all of a sudden, within the last 24 hours, Ned, well, you wrote it, but I'm, I'm reading it here. Uh, the phones start ringing. All of a sudden, Theo in uh, Boston and uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. It could be all of a sudden out of the quote-unquote out of the 
blue, uh, there's a shot to get Manny Ramirez. And uh, it's a half hour now. Here I'm reading, Fred. Half hour before the deadline. It's half hour before the deadline. Okay, on July 31st, that'd be 1, uh-huh. 1 p.m. L.A. time, right? 4 p.m. Uh, you know, New York time. A million things still needed to be done. The commissioner, he had to approve the $7 million that would be moving to us. Manny had agreed to a no-trade clause. He'd signed off on that. Theo, all of a sudden, calls again from Boston. I need one more player. This is a half hour before they're trying to do a three-team trade. I need one more player. Ned says, look, Theo, tell me what team you're dealing with so I can help you out and help us out, both of us, make this deal work. Well, Pittsburgh, Theo says. Ned says, well, I know they want Adam LaRoche, one of our young guys. So you get a three-way call going. The Pirates also want a pitcher. Now you got a four-way conference call. There's about 10 minutes to go. You got the commissioner's office. You got your call. You got the Red Sox. You got Pittsburgh. You got four people going. The clock's ticking. It works. You get the deal done. What was that 10 minutes like, Ned? <laughs> great, introdu- great introduction, Murph. It was crazy. The whole thing was wild. I mean, they, I had talked to Theo the night before. Uh, he had asked me about, uh, about LaRoche. Uh, about six o'clock Pacific on the thirtieth p.m. and um, I watched on the bottom line. I was watching on ESPN or MLB channel. Bottom line said that he was about to do a deal with Manny going to Miami, including Pittsburgh. And I said, "Hey, congratulations! I see you got the Manny thing done." Yeah. Manny had run his course there, <laughs> and I could tell by Theo's voice he wasn't sure he was going to get that done. And uh, lo and behold, about twelve <laughs> twelve hours later, talking to Theo again, he says, "Hey." You know, I got to get him out of here. You're a place he'll go to. We can figure this out. And I had I had a chance to get CC Sabathia from Milwaukee about two weeks earlier, or from Cleveland, right before he went to Milwaukee. CC Sabathia, Casey Blake, and Jamie Carroll. We really needed them. And I got shot down by ownership because of the money involved. Uh, uh. I remember that era? You know, we had a, a different <laughs> different dynamic financially. And um, so when I told Theo, yeah, we I got interest. We could probably make the players work, but you know somebody's going to have to pay Manny's salary. <laughs> and and it ain't it ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and you know, I mean, no, you know, nobody had ever heard that before because nobody had ever, I don't think, ever made anybody pay seven million dollars for a, you know, obviously a, a tremendous hitter. <laughs> and uh, but one thing led to another, we're able to get it done. I'd love to have a panel discussion one night with yeah. you. Where he could tell, you know, his view, or I could tell my view. I think it'd be so entertaining. But uh, <laughs> dude, I did a couple, a uh, couple big deals like that, a couple three-way deals. Another the one with Seattle and Boston and the, and the Dodgers that uh, didn't have quite the pizzazz of that one. But uh, that was an interesting deal. I'd like to put a blood pressure cuff on you at that moment. You're up to about two hundred over a one eighty. You know. <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> Ned, uh, one of the things I was, I've always wondered is after you've been in the game for so long, what are your thoughts on what's been going on in the last four or five years? You know, the Astros, the Royals, the Cubs, and now the White Sox are doing it. Teams that are, have been tanking or basically not getting players to compete and waiting and trying to build their si- teams through the farm systems. Uh, the White Sox are hoping for next year, the year after. How difficult would that be as you, uh, for you as a general manager to do something like that? Huh. I tell you what, you know, everybody's got their own viewpoint of it, and there's only 30 jobs, so you do what you're told to do. But 
at this stage of my career, it would be difficult for me to spend three or four or five years losing 95 to 100 games hmm. and with, with no real guarantee. Right. Just because you, 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 you fall back and you draft high doesn't mean you're going to win. I mean, are the other teams getting bad? You know, I mean, look <laughs> at the teams in the NL West. Yeah. You know, okay, they're they're building. They're gonna they're gonna you know cut it down and and have you know low payrolls and trade all their players. Are the Dodgers getting any uh, you know taking a step back anytime soon? No, no. You know, too many things have happened. It's, it's not that easy to predict, and it saves money. There's no doubt. Ownerships is probably saving fifty, sixty million dollars, seventy million dollars a year by doing it. But there's no guarantee in your three, four, five year venture. That it's going to all come out great. That you're going to be able to predict, hey, we'll be winning divisions or getting wild cards for the next six or seven years. It doesn't work like that. The game is not designed like that. It's a tough. It's the toughest sport there is to get into the postseason. Yeah, yeah. NFL, NHL, NBA. How many teams you get in? Sixteen, eight and eight, something like that. Yeah. You know, this one you got three division champions and two play for the right to be one more. Ned Kalani, so, final yeah. couple of minutes. Hey, Ned, appreciate you. Uh, Rick Sutcliffe is a uh, regular uh, contributor to our ESPN 1000 family. He comes on uh, once a, a week uh, normally, and, uh, he, you know, he's a joy. You know him pretty well, Rick I Sutcliffe. I know him very well, one of my dear friends. Well, we have a soundbite. You've never heard this. This was about a week or so ago, un, uh, unscripted, unprovoked. He's on, uh, what show was this uh, he was on, Eola? Waddle and Sylvie. Right. Yeah, this was their sut at the cut when they had him on oh, remote yeah. for an hour and a half. Yeah, the Chicago cut the fine restaurant down the street. <laughs> they let Sutcliffe talk for an hour yep. and a half. Yeah, and eat and uh, whatever uh, he does uh, along with him, imbibing on meat and whatever. But sut's the best. You know how he can ad lib and tell stories. Well, listen, put the phone tight up to your ear there, Ned Coletti. Here's a story. This is Rick Sutcliffe. And no one uh, you know, brought him to this topic. He just felt like talking about it the other day. It all started um, when I signed um, back here after 84. Um, I started a foundation. You guys know I, I put $100,000 of my money in. I put any endorsement money that I, that I, I put in there. And I, John McDonough took over. John McDonough did so many great things for the Cubs and for me. He's the one that, that he, I said I need help with my foundation. The first thing he told me was to buy 50 season tickets to every game. And we did. The foundation bought them. Um, and the only criteria was that normally you wouldn't be able to come to the game. Um, we, he, he, he talked me into hiring uh, Ned Coletti, who was our PR director's wife, Gail. She ran the foundation. She went out in the community and found the people that, that needed the tickets. And that was uh, Sut the other day. Uh, great story, Ned. Yep. Yeah, we did a lot of great work. Gail... Uh... Uh, it gave Gail a chance. I mean, she's a stay-at-home mom at that point. Gave her a chance uh, hmm. to do some work in a good way and uh, and really help pay a little bit of uh, of college. Uh, Gail didn't make a whole lot of money doing it, but she made enough that uh, you could, our kids were really young at the time. You could put a little bit away for, you know, on some kind of account and uh, helped our kids get through college a little bit and helped a bunch of people get through uh, different situations. But uh, I love Sun. He didn't tell you a story where somebody broke into the car. I don't think during the winter meetings, and uh, 
about five degrees out. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's another good story. Sut needs to be on two and a half hours order to tell that one. Well, next time Sut at the cut, maybe they'll bring that up. Hey, Ned, real quick before we spring you, I know you're on a short fuse time-wise. We always appreciate your time, Ned Coletti. Uh, a quick look at Chicago again. Uh, uh, the tale of two cities, uh, literally. White Sox window opening, opening, opening. Uh, the Cubs window, in my opinion, closing, closing, closing. I don't know if this would be a fair question. Which is easier, you know, from a general manager on July 31st point of view? Uh, the Rick Hahn big chair, where he's looking to, well, you know what? I think I'm still trying to add a couple for the future. Got some, for instance, relief pitchers that got some market value. Maybe I can get another top prospect. Is that the seat that's uh, maybe a little easier, if that's the right word, or the other seat where maybe I'm looking on the north side to move some of my prospects, you know, for maybe that veteran guy? Two diametrically opposite polling, uh, uh, polar opposite, I should say, points of view. They're both difficult, don't get me wrong. What's the difference between the two, or are they both equally difficult? Great question. Um, I think they're both equally difficult. I think, um, you know, in Theo's case, obviously he's won a World Series and he's got a, a very good team, but it needs a little bit of help with it now. I, I think that's obviously a different dynamic than Rick trying to continue to rebuild and, and add some pieces to it. When, when you do that, you know, you really run the risk of somebody, some other team saying, yeah, we're going to do the same thing. And we've got four, you know, you got, you got four or five other teams in that same boat. Suddenly, the market value on the prospects, on, on the players that you're going to send, the veterans you're going to send, suddenly that can dip because mm. suddenly there's more and more and more involved. I think you'll, you'll find more involved and less involved the, the longer you wait. Theo's in it, it kind of works to the advantage because you may have more choices than you have today. You get to the 31st, you may have more choices to pick from if you're looking for a particular veteran type of player. Both are, both are exciting. I tell you what, it was the the most fun I had every year of those 24 hours. It was the best time going. It was like, uh, you know, everything was on. I'd have two cell phones and a landline going, and it was chaos. <laughs> the last hour in L.A., noon to 1 o'clock, it is like buy, sell, buy, sell, sell, buy, buy, sell, sell, buy. You know? <laughs> well, well, you're a Chicago guy. You're like one of those old border trade guys with the hand signals on a thousand people, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was great stuff. Plus, you have to do physical. I mean, you got to get a physical read on a player, too, so your medical staff is going to be involved. You, oh. you can't be taking somebody at one minute to four o'clock yeah. and then find out, yeah, the guy's playing, but the guy's hamstring's about to blow or, or the guy's <laughs> elbow's been, you know, he's been getting a cortisone shot every 10 days. Uh. You know, I mean, you, you need you need to do all that homework ahead of time, but a team is not going to give you that information until they know you have a deal. Uh. So... Uh, there, there's so much that comes down to it. It's not just, it's not, you know, it's not a rotisserie, a fantasy league deal. No. It's, it's all real. <laughs> so what you're saying is uh, in 1964, John Holland didn't get the medicals on Ernie Brolio in the Lou Brock deal from the Cardinals. He didn't get the medicals. Well, uh, <laughs> I would have hoped that he had, but seeing how it worked out. I'm pretty sure that he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> he was reading the sporting news box scores from last month. <laughs> For last year, actually. I thought he won the 21 games last year. Oh, it was four years ago. <laughs>
Hey. Oh, yeah. Only change the history of two franchises. Oh, right. That's God. it. That's all. Yeah. Chicago That's guy, all. Ned Coletti, <laughs> and uh, Franklin Park. He's out there near uh, I was out Belmont uh, by the underpass and uh, used to take the bus down to Wrigley Field, but he always has a few minutes to visit with his uh, friends in Chicago. And before we talk again, I'm sure I'll be almost near the end of the book. <laughs> <laughs> And then start uh, with hey, 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 Fred, have you gotten the Sinatra yet? No. Uh, no. Oh, I got a Sinatra chapter in there. I think uh, you'll think. Harry Carey, too. Harry's obviously a big uh, part of my life and my career. No, it's, it's got a, some good reasons still to go. That's a tremendous read. My problem is I got I have a problem where I start too many books. So that whichever one I pick up, I pick up wherever I'm at. So where I, that's what happens. Well, then my suggestion for you is that you get six or seven more big chairs and you can put them all over your house. So that's the one you pick it up. There you go. Fred, there you go. Fred, Ned, too bad we're up against the clock. Ned knows I'll that. See you guys. And uh, because the the Sinatra story, uh, Ned is you know one of his all time favorites. Frank Sinatra actually invites him to join a big group for dinner one night. So two, three hours there, have a big table of what tentacle, and they're about almost done with the dinner, and Ned can't believe he's been there, and Frank Sinatra looks over at Ned and goes, who the hell is this guy? Where'd he come from? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ned. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot, Ned. Oh, yeah. All right. Talk to you later, Ned. Uh, boys, never good one. <laughs> All right. We're going to get back now to some serious... Well, that was serious. That was but, serious baseball talk. But now we got to get back... With the trade deadline coming up, that's uh, going to be a very interesting afternoon coming up. Both sides of town for the next five days. We'll get back on the uh, beat. The Cubs, uh, another... Heartbreaker, if you want to use that word. White Sox waiting for Eloy and Tim Anderson to come back. Uh, Jesse Rogers in about 30 minutes. Bears talk throughout the day, but 11 o'clock. Dan Shanka, our guy from our lads. So this is the place to be. Murph and Fr- I know we're running late, Eric. Back in the flash. ESPN 1000. Oh, the Twitter polls are jumping. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. It's going to be hot again. I'm going to Brookfield Zoo tonight. Oh, are you? With the family. My old stopping ground. We used to Concert, write a... right? Yeah. Concert, right? American English? You know what? You, you know how I knew? You always amaze me, but you amaze me even more just that. How did yeah. you know that? Because my my niece, uh-huh. uh, Katie Kelsick, she uh-huh. is uh, actually interning uh, at Brookfield Zoo with the with the dolphins this, this Miami? year. Miami? Yeah, no, no. Uh-huh. The Brookfield Zoo dolphins. Uh-huh. So she's interning there. So she's there... Uh, on every hot day during the year, she, she's, yeah. every day has been, and she's there with the dolphin show and everything else uh-huh. like that. She's helping make sure nobody throws anything into the water. So. What about little minnows? No food? You Nothing. Mean? No, yeah. don't throw anything because you don't know what what no, people I are know, doing. I yeah, don't, yeah. Don't feed them the dolphins. Yeah. So you got you got to watch it. But uh, yeah, so she's there. Uh, so I I looked at the yeah. music schedule. I knew. Uh, you know, Seventh Heaven was there. I wanted to see them in American English. Jimmy I wanted Bannis, to see them. And Bannis is going to be there. Banos? No, no, not not Heaven on Seven. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Seventh Heaven. They're a great band. Uh-huh. They do a thing called Thirty and Thirty. They play thirty classic rock songs yeah. in thirty minutes. So they play like the best part of them a minute each. I thought ESPN had minutes. a trademark on that phrase. No, no, no. Thirty on thirty. No, nope. they did it first. I oh, think. okay. Yeah. 
So it was very, very cool. American English, they, you know, Beatles. Uh, They're really good. Yeah. I saw them a couple of years ago. There'll be thousands of people at Brookfield Zoo. Bring your blankets, you spread it out loud. We'll have the whole family there. That'd well, be nice. I used to ride my bike from LaGrange Park to Brookfield Zoo. So did I. Didn't from even, Cicero. Didn't even lock it. Uh-huh. Just leave it there, come back, your bike would be fine. Yeah, now. <laughs> from Cicero. Yeah, now nothing would be there. Oh, okay. Yeah, right sh- there from Cicero. You have to show me. All right. Yeah. I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. All right, we've del- delayed the inevitable long enough, Fred Hubner. All right, let's look at last night. White Sox lose 6-2. to two. Come on, Dylan Cease only had one bad inning the, for the second game in a row. The Twins are a wrecking crew. They do that to a lot of pitchers. Yeah, you know, they, they, well, you know what? He gave, up five, he gave up five runs in the uh, second inning. Yep. In his last start, he gave up four runs in the second inning. Other than that, he gave up nothing for the five innings. Yeah, I so, know. you know, and, and Ricky Renteria says after the game, if you're worried about Dylan Cease, don't. He's going to be fine. He's a, he's a young guy. I went and looked. Yeah. Uh, you know Greg Maddox, his first two years in the big leagues? Uh, eight and 14. Was he at right? 552 and 561. Yeah, I think he went so, eight and 14. Yeah. I mean, it, it takes a little while to figure out how to pitch in the big leagues. Yeah. And uh, I got to, you know, they're not planning on winning now. Giving Dylan Cease the time now is, is the perfect time. Uh, Lucas Giolito is more to get worried about. I under, how, how you can throw three pitches to Nelson Cruz that he can hit that far? Is beyond me. I know he does it to everybody, but not three times in one game. All three, How many pitchers give up three homers in one game? All three pitches were different. Yeah, he threw the uh, the heat. He threw a uh, like a slider and he threw a change, I believe, and he hit the homers to left, center, and to right. You know the one the one to left field was four seventy three, yeah. and the guy standing along the railing on the concourse on, by the concourse, yeah, yeah. it went off of his hands. That's how far the ball <laughs> I went. Know, I know it was amazing, but uh, yeah, he gave up some long balls, and yeah. uh, like he said, he goes, "I didn't, I did not uh, pitch well." Sox have lost twelve of the fifteen, but Eloy's coming back and Tim Anderson's coming back, right? Yeah, uh, supposedly Anderson's doing pretty well at Charlotte. And uh, Eloy's taking, he took double batting practice uh, and some fielding practice yesterday. One thing I wanted to get out, and we're going to talk a lot of Cubs. Last night, Abreu and McCann both went 0 for 4. Now people are saying, come on, Fred, you can't be ripping them. They're doing the best. Listen. Both of them hit into double plays yesterday. The White Sox actually was 5 to 2 at one point after an Adam Engel home run. Mm -hmm. But here's, just so you know, during this stretch where they've been losing since the All-Star break, Sox have lost 11 of 14. They've been outscored by 32 runs since the break. Abreu is 12 for 61. That's a 197 average. He has one homer and six RBIs. James McCann, who had a tremendous first half, 7 for 48. He's 146 since the break with two homers and three RBIs. Abreu and McCann completely dried up. Abreu left five guys on base yesterday. And those two guys... While you're losing, they're supposed to step up, and they're not doing it right now. So the uh, inevitable is here, delayed long enough. Cubs lose a, I want to call it a heartbreaker, but it was almost worse than that. They lose 3-2. to two. They are no longer the first-place Cubs. St. Louis now in first place. Cubs a game back. Milwaukee. Two games back in third, they lost their third starting pitcher, though, in a week, it appears, with Gio Gonzalez having to leave the game with a tender a shoulder. Yeah, uh, Milwaukee, two games back of the Cardinals, just one back of the Cubs. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cubs one back, Milwaukee two back in third place. Kyle Hendricks, a nice outing. People want to blame Joe Madden. We'll get into that. Jesse in a few minutes. Bodie finally had a contribution with the two-run homer. Well, did you see his, were you able to read his lips in the dugout? No. He is, after he's high-fiving everybody, he said, finally, about time. 
and uh, he's been struggling. And it was a perfect pitch. It was it was belt high, perfect over pitch the to hit. Plate. Perfect pitch to hit. Everybody yeah. that's ever played baseball yeah. said, "Oh, let me swing at that pitch." And Bodie did what you're supposed to well, do: you know, hit the crap out of it. Well, you're supposed to hit the mistakes because you're not going to hit the pitch anymore on the corners. Yeah, uh, with the way these guys throw, Sandberg yeah, made a, a as soon as he hit it too. Sandberg made a Hall of Fame career hitting mistakes. That's what you have to do. Unfortunately, we're not watching a lot of Hall of Famers right now. And the Pedro Strope pitch. Strope was not even supposed to be in the game, as Joe said afterwards. He has lost velocity, so it'll be easy to jump on uh, Strope. But uh, that 92-mile-an-hour center cut up and a uh, you know, two-run uh, single put the Brewers ahead. People are going to blame Joe for uh, everything. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me, let me say this, Fred. You know how most Cub fans are probably mad today? They've been mad. They've been mad. Oh, they've been mad. They, Cub fans are mad. You know why they're mad? They didn't see it coming. You know why I'm, That's true. You, That's know why true. I, you know why I'm not mad? You saw it coming? Oh, yes. We've been talking about well, it for a while. You know, people yeah. hate to hear the I told you so, so I'm not going to do that. But, you know, I've been talking about this now for almost two years. And slowly and slowly, the, the vice is turning tighter. And it's turning tighter. They've had no leadoff man, all right, since Fowler. The leadoff you man. You go, we go. The, exactly. The yep. leadoff man position. Here's where the sabermetrics bite you in the fanny. Well, all we need is an on-base guy, all right? So how'd that go? So Schwarber's been the leadoff guy, right? Yeah. All right. Buckle up. He's three out of his last 27, Fred. Can I say that again? Schwarber, three out of his last 27 with zero walks. Yeah, his on base is down to 312. If he had 10 walks peppered in there, yeah. they'd be happy. Sure. Oh, okay, he's three for 27, but he's walking a lot. Yep. Three for his last 27. Two of them are solo homers. He has two homers, two RBIs. He's three for 27. So what they do? What does Joe do? He moves, he has no choice. Right. He moves Elmora into the leadoff slot, right? A week ago. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 How's that go? Not well. No. Is that Joe's fault? There's no leadoff man. There hasn't been a leadoff man since you know who didn't replace Fowler. Okay. But you see, I've been talking about, I'm not mad. They just put the names in the hat and pick one out every game. Well, he did. You're going to lead off today, and you're going to lead off today. He pulled, he, he pulled today. Jesse's guy out yesterday. Yes, Contrary. he did. Let me tell you something. And this is nothing about Joe Madden. This is because he has nobody. Because Theo never replaced. And, you know, Cup fans are mad today because they didn't see this coming. I'm not mad. Because you could see it coming. As the window. Don't play the windows and waves right now. <laughs> But you know what? Play. How does a closed, win- closed window sound? Two years ago, right, Eric? You and I worked on this. You produced this and, and pieced it together, I believe. But, you know, people laughed at it two years ago. Windows and waves, all right? Catch a wave and you're sitting Waves. Waves of young players will be coming, they said. The window is closing, everybody. Don't worry, the waves are coming. All right, two years ago, oh, that Murphy thinks he's so cute. No, that's that's not even, that's a hokey, that's hokey radio. Okay, fine. You're mad, though, see, and I'm not. You know what, I got a new... You should be mad that they picked up Derek Holland. 
Well, you know what? I know you're going to say it was okay. No, 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 no. I'm always saying. I'm sorry. The only thing is, he repl- if you look at it in context, he replaced Montgomery. Right. See. Well, that's all he is. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it in that context, he's a. I left- saw him on the south side. He's no, no, not good. No, I know. Yeah. Well, he's been a starting pitcher, so he can see he can go four innings. He's a lefty that gets lefties out. Yeah. He's Mont- Montgomery. Who they couldn't have around anymore because as Jesse's been telling us, if you've been listening, Jesse, very subtle, three, four months ago, he said, Montgomery doesn't want, his head's not in the game. You know, basically doesn't want to be here. Well, the one thing you can blame Joe for, and I did at four o'clock yesterday when I saw the lineups, Jesse has talked about it for the longest time. Chris Bryant told Jesse he likes batting third. He's been batting third. He's been doing better. What happens yesterday? The lineup comes out, Contreras leading off, Bryant hitting second. Bryant had two hits yesterday, both times with nobody on base. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to drive anybody in when you bat with nobody on base. And that's what Chris Bryant likes to do, bat with guys on base. Now, he likes no, to hit third. Javi got no hits, and he has been batting second, so there still wouldn't have been anybody on base. But yeah, but Contrer- and Contreras leading off, and well, he wasn't on either. Well, no. And now here's the next thing. Well, you know, they did something which is rare yesterday. In nine innings, seven of those innings, they only sent three guys to the plate. Yeah. In seven of the nine innings, they only sent three guys to the plate. Every inning until the sixth, when they scored their runs, the seventh, the eighth, and in the ninth inning, they sent a couple extra guys to the plate. That was it. Now, you can't score many runs if you only send three guys to the plate. And this is both teams, so don't get me wrong. The umpire was terrible for both teams. One of the worst I've ever seen. Three times, uh, the, the Cub pitcher struck out a batter, and he called it, you know, ball one or ball two. Three. Now that he adds, did it with Hendricks, he did it with Kinsler. Oh yeah, it was terrible. And it adds to the pitch. And again, and then again, he did it with both. both. Uh, yeah, Gio. Same thing for Gio Gonzalez. Let me say this though. Contrary. See, here's where the saber metrics. And Jesse's been campaigning. We'll have Jesse in a few minutes. You know, let Contreras lead off. Now that works if you look at the saber metrics. He's an on-base guy, but he does. He's not a leadoff man. See, you got a mentality. And Schwarber confirmed this after that debacle the first time a year and a half, two years ago. You go up to the plate when all of a sudden, from the middle of the order, you're a leadoff man, and you have a different mentality. Oh, I got to maybe take a couple pitches. I'm supposed to get on base. It screws you up unless you're a veteran who's used to doing that. But here, before the break, and I'm not mad. Everybody else is mad. You got something there, Fred? I had to read before the break, yeah. but All right. Here's the thing. Theo Epstein is now going to be known as the duct tape man. All he's doing is duct taping everything. There's holes everywhere. Why are there holes everywhere? Because, as remember my expression I've always said, as long as Theo can outspend his mistakes, he's going to be fine. How long have I been saying that? Two, three years? Uh-huh. Oh, Murphy's he's so cute. That's just, he's trying to just be funny. He don't like Theo. Craig Kimbrell's worked out well so far. He's duct taping everything. And the owner, right or wrong, I'm not happy with that. The owner cut him off. As long as Theo's got money to spend his mistakes, it's going to be okay. The owner said, guess what, pal? Checkbook's closed. But we all knew that. And now what's Theo going to do by July 31st? Huh? That's what we'll find out. Hey, you've heard us talk about Seven Bridges Golf Club, one of the Midwest's best-kept golfing secrets and conveniently located just a half-hour drive 
from Chicago provides public access golf in a setting that affords a private course feel. Seven Bridges, annually rated as one of the uh, top five courses in Illinois, Seven Bridges offers value-driven pricing to weekly, corporate, and other frequent golfers. This summer, save up to $25 per person when you book a foursome. Come experience how rewarding golf can be for tea times or to learn more. Visit sevenbridgesgolfclub.com or call 630-964-GOLF. That's G-O-L-F. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that again? G-O-L-F. There you go. Thank you, Fred. No leadoff, man, since Fowler. Uh, you know what? Here's an idea. Time for maybe uh, Theo to fire another hitting coach and bring another new one in. I'm telling you, this guy. Didn't you hear what the Mets said this week about Chili Davis? They love him. One of the greatest. Yeah, they big, love him. Yeah, they, they yeah. absolutely love him. Remember my six steps of any new program? Remember uh, number four, Punishment of the Innocent? Yeah, yep. that's Joe Madden coming up. The, the duct tape man. The new general manager, Theo Duct Tape. Epstein with the Cubs. And that was another Murph moment. Oh, back in a flash, ESPN 1000. Let's go to the phones. Let's bring in Wally's on the northwest side of Chicago. Hey, Wally! Wally, what's up? Wally, Wally back on hold, as Dan Jiggins would say. Hey, let's see if Jiggs can join us sometime. Kevin in Palatine. Kevin! Hey, morning, guys. Hey, yes. Fred, you are 100% right. When I saw that lineup yesterday and saw, I like Madden, but when I saw he had the gall to move this guy back the second after what he's done the last month, Murph, can you have the little guy go up and ask <laughs> Joe today? For what reason did he move him back when this guy was hitting about 400, 500 with runners in scoring position? Are they intentionally trying to alienate him on behalf of the Rickets so he leaves on purpose? <laughs> I do not get it. So please ask Jesse to ask Joe that question because that really okay. Well, well, you know, it's, okay, thanks for the thanks, call. Kevin. Now, it's not Jesse anymore. It's the king maker because Jesse, you know, he's the one that got Bryant moved to number three. Yep. Jesse, he's the one that got Contreras put in the leadoff slot. And uh, he's the king maker and he's also the... Uh, the, the heartbreaker. He's the one that got Addison Russell, uh, you know, sent out. Uh, uh, we haven't even talked about that, but it took a long enough. It was Jesse's scooperoo yeah. to find out that he uh, self-admitted, uh, didn't know the signals, uh, which is never a good thing. Let's give uh, Northwest Side Wally another shot. Hey, Wally! Well, Murph, Wally, the retired cop from the Northwest Side. Remember me? Yeah, you must have taken a nap. You're so retired when I punched you up a minute ago. I'm just kidding. I remember you well, Wally. Jump in. Go. Well, two, two things, Murph. Joe Madden, why do we want to fire him? Jesus, we lived through the College of Coaches. Remember that? Here, hold on, hold on, hold on, Wally. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear uh, you. Can you hear uh, me? He's a feisty, the retired cop, Wally. Wally, you asked me a question. And, yes, uh, sir. I just Murph. Yeah, you there? <sighs> Thank Hello. you. Thank you, Wally. <sighs> Let's go to uh, John. Is in Rolling Meadows. Hello, Johnson. Hey guys, how are you? Okay, John. Well, you know the Cubs. Uh, you know the fan bases. 
I've heard everybody saying how they want the Cubs to make this big blockbuster move. I don't see that happening because Why? the Cubs don't the don't they don't have the talent Why? to move. Why? Why don't they? Because their farm system is pretty much depleted, and Why? the guys Why? on the okay. ball. Why? Because of moves they made in the past to pick up Q. And, All right. And so now, I, now, I, hold on, hold on, John, because you raised the key point. And remember, we have to ask the correct questions, otherwise, we won't get the correct answers. The yeah. the players they have traded were good international signings. They traded uh, Torres. To get uh, uh, Chap Chap Chapman, yeah. they they have traded uh, international signings like Eloy to to get Quintana. They have drafted squat, so they have a depleted farm system that no one is interested in taking Class A prospects from. You're right, and that's because, A, Theo has kept his bobo, Jason McLeod, his director of nothing, minor league drafting and uh, scouting and development, who's horrible, but that's his buddy for 10 years, and Theo has kept him. So everything you raise, the question, John, is correct. Let's just get to the why. Why? Because the boss and his number two guy stink at what they do, yep. which is drafting. Yep. They got yep. four guys. One of them's Hap, who yesterday, took he swung and missed in his first at-bat, strike two and strike three up and out of the zone. Yeah. So much for his learning the strike zone. Uh, Schwarber, his draft pick, is three of his last 27 with no walks. Almora on the trade block. The only guy that they've drafted that's been a big-time star is Bryant. But I'm not mad, and you shouldn't be mad, John, because we saw this coming, right? Correct. There but you know go. what the problem is? Hmm. The Cubs hmm. farm, the Cubs front office, when it comes to bringing in young pitchers and working with them and bringing them up, they don't do that. They, they don't have with, any, John. We just went through that. They got no one to I know. Okay, here's because who they got. Here's they who they got. Have, hold on, hold on. They got Dylan Cease who right now the Sox are hoping is going to blossom, and he very well may, but right now he wouldn't be helping the Cubs. And Elzaloy, Elzaloy, I ain't going to learn how to pronounce his name, Fred, until he's really here for Uh a while. And right now he's getting his brains beat in after one nice outing and uh, made a flipper trouble. So they can't teach someone that is, uh, you know, doesn't have the talent to be taught. Thank you, Jesse. Next. Murph and Fred. Hey, visit right now our Twitter poll. We got some great questions. Bears stuff. We'll cover it all between now and noon. It's ESPN 1000. The show's it's been all better right. for the Cardinals, so but it's all right, I guess, for us. Right, but we got two more hours to go. We could still mess this thing up. Uh huh. Oh yeah, and look at we got Jesse coming up. No, I'm kidding. In a minute, Jesse will make the show. He always yes, does. he will. Yeah. First, the Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll questions. Uh, White Sox fans vote now at ESPN 1000. Rick Hahn should trade away his top bullpen guys, Colome and. Aaron Bummer 
to help ensure one last high draft pick in 2020. Yes or no? We'll digest that later. Cubs fans vote. Will Albert Elmora be with the Cubs on August 1st? Yes or no? By the way, let the record show five days away, Fred. Our Cub fans vote. Calling up Ian Happ was a, quote, Theo move, unquote, of A, inspiration, B, calculation, C, education, D, everybody, desperation, and Cub fans, will Ben Zobra solve the second base leadoff needs when he arrives? If he arrives, yes or no, it's Jesse time. Young man, it's Murph here, old Murph, and uh, young Fred. Hey, Jess. I'm two coffees deep. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing? <laughs> oh, fine. I thought you'd be about four bratwurst deep. That's coming later. Did you try the five-way chili in Cincinnati? <laughs> hey, let me ask you a question. If I'm not mistaken, aren't both of the next two games on ABC7? They are. That's why I did ah. not spend time in the pub last night. There you I go. Got my, I got my rest. I got some big TV work today and tomorrow. Got to welcome a new player today, Derek Holland. Maybe we'll get him on the pregame show. But uh, hopefully we're talking about some Cub wins because that was another bad hmm. road loss. I feel like it's deja vu all over again on the road. I've seen this game over and over and over again this year. They're not 19 of their last 26 they've lost on the road. On the Ooh. road. They're, okay, they're number two in the National League in home victories. Number two, trailing L.A., and they are number last in the National <laughs> League, 15th in uh, road record. Mr. Ned Cluddy was out with us a few minutes ago, Jesse. I don't want to box you. I didn't have time. I was going to ask him. I was going to say, Ned, back in the day, you know, the 84 Cubs, the 89 Cubs, uh, those, you know, those were hard-living nighttime guys. And <laughs> you might have, but Jesse, it's not like that as much, or is it anymore? I mean, these guys, it's not like the old days where they'd go pound, you know, uh, live hard till two in the morning and uh, try to find their uh, hotel key when there used to be a hotel key, get their back to their room so it used to be easy to say well you know they're probably playing too much at night on the road that ain't the case as much anymore or is that i i don't know is it no i don't i think you're right they 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 don't do it as much every i mean every so often i think they do especially if there's the day off the next day but look they're five and eleven in one run games on the road Mm -hmm. there's 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 the big stat to me five and eleven in these tight games i don't think it's because they're out late the night before and we know no no Yeah, no, I know. I'm just, yeah, you're right. Things yeah. have changed. Okay. Cell phone videos, guys don't do it as much. But I'm sure they do. I just, you know, I don't run in those circles. So what do I know? Right. <laughs> not anymore, you don't. No, because he's exactly. going to wet you're it. happy retired. Not anymore. Right. Not right. anymore, you don't. No, he's gonna, as Jiggs would say, he's going to wet his beak with Circle 7. Though, and I got to bed early last night. <laughs> hey, see if Jiggs will come out with us sometime, EO11. All right, let's get to it. And Fred, I'll uh, let you, the, uh, bat, uh, the batting owner, not the lineup, Jesse, right. one of these days, I'm going to get you to say the batting order. Now, you were, you're a king maker. Yes, you got Bryant into the three hole. You're a king maker. You got Contreras, you must be right, Contreras in the leadoff slot. And you're a heartbreaker. You got Addison <laughs> Russell down to AAA because he, you know, talk, oh, to, yeah. talk to you. It's your fault. Yeah. But Fred, and everyone's wondering the same question. 
Yeah, just uh, yesterday, 4.15, a lineup comes up, and the only thing I said is, why move Bryant up to number two? You moved him to three. He says he likes hitting three. Yesterday, he gets two hits, both time, neither nobody on. Not that if he hit third, somebody would have been on. But right. did he explain why he did it yesterday? Yes, he did, just because they're facing a lefty. They're, they're, they've been bad against lefties. They're below 500 against lefties. He wanted to just mix it up. He'll be back in the three-hole today, I imagine. That's the way Joe you know, talked about it before the game yesterday. So I assume that's the case. So he tried something different against the lefty. I don't have a huge problem with it if it's a one-day thing, and, and Bryant did have a good game. Um, but once again, they lose a game that is started by a left-handed pitcher. They have all sorts of problems against Gio Gonzalez. My God. He looks like Sandy Koufax against them. I think Rizzo's down to like 074 in his career. And we're not talking about seven at-bats or anything. It's like 25, 29 at-bats, something like that. 074 against Gonzalez. And, Bingo. Um, yeah, there's not many guys better than that. They're all in the 100s against him. Uh, you know, we can look at small picture, which we will do briefly here. You know, last night's game. And big picture, which is five days from the trading uh, deadline. Jesse Rogers from Milwaukee. Small picture, just rapid fire a couple. Fred, the number one. Uh, uh, Schwarber, now three of his last 27. And here's the bad thing. Zero walks. Uh, he's got the two homers out of the three hits with two ribbies because there's no one on base. Uh, the leadoff slot is the bigger picture. Schwarbs, uh, you know, he wouldn't have caught the ball that Hap caught uh, down the foul line early right. in, in the first or second inning. So that was, a, you know, plus Hap, small picture, supposed to be learning the strike zone, I guess, you know, among other things in Iowa. His first at bat, he swings at ball three and swings at ball four out of the strike zone, strike two, strike three, maybe first time up a Adrenaline, I'll give him a little pass on that. But these little snapshots like that of the small picture, uh, what uh, what else last night, small picture, those, Hap, Schwarber, or what else? Well, I mean, backing yourself up into a corner where you've got to go to Pedro Strope at that point, and that's a, that's a disaster waiting to happen. But hold on, in Joe's defense, and he doesn't mm-hmm. need me, he uh, later after the game said he really – had no intention. Yeah, he didn't want to go to, to go to Strope. So how did he back himself in the corner? The other guys well, failed. Well, yeah, but you're putting you're putting guys in a bad position if you're asking him to do the multiple inning thing. Get out of a dirty inning. Sit down. Go back up and get a full inning. Go. He did it with four players. He brought four pitchers into mm-hmm. dirty innings. Now a lot of people were tweeting at the time. Why? Why? Uh, why take Kyle Hendricks out after five? You got the lead. In hindsight, that's absolutely true. And, and at the time, I didn't mind it as much as others. But here's the thing, Murph. You're going to have to show some faith in somebody that, that you, you've believed in enough to bring him in the game. What I'm getting at is, okay, whether if you're going to pull Hendricks, okay. But give Kyle Ryan the full inning then. then you know what I mean? Now you've started this merry-go-round of dirty inning appearances that just isn't putting people in the right position to succeed. Let alone the fact that Hendricks can throw 120 pitches. Now, I, I'm, on, I'm sorry. On. Now I got okay. And uh, this was the post-game TV rant. And uh, DeJesus, uh, you know, oh, second-guessing. Now, let's look at Joe. Okay. And Joe's getting buried today. We know that. You know, right. uh, and uh, what do I always, I always uh, uh, call it? Uh, uh, you know, the guy you want to fire to make yourself look Good. Or punishment of the innocent. You know, Theo, he's going to launch Joe. He hasn't given a, a Joe a team to work with, but that's the bigger picture. Let's look at last night, Fred, Jesse. So, 
Now, Kyle Hendricks, he was on the DL 30 days ago with the, with the impingement. I like saying mm-hmm. that word. Shoulder. It's never good. Now, uh, they've nursed him back. Has he ever been, maybe I'm wrong, Jesse, a 120-pitch guy? To me, he's a 90-pitch guy. There's two months left. And again, I can go either way. I'm just you know trying to do the uh, uh, sure. yin and the yang here. But so Hendricks, he's throwing ninety pitches now. Coming up is going to be top. Is going to be uh, let's see the, uh, oh, the lefty. Yelich, I'm sorry, Fred. Yelich is due up the lefty. Then the switch hitter Grandel, who hits much better, uh, you know, from the left side. Lefty, so you'll flip yep, flip yep. him, and then Mustak is the lefty. So the problem is he walks the middle guy to switch hitter. Now I agree. With you there. Joe runs out. The red hat guy, he H I U R A, whatever, and he's been like player of the month type guy. So he brings in C Sheck, and then everything starts going haywire because it throws off the one inning, one inning, one inning. But I don't believe Hendricks is a 120 pitch guy. He's still just about four weeks from off the DL. And uh, to me, I still, it's second guessing, and everyone wants to bury Joe today because it didn't go well. Uh, Lifting Hendricks, not talking what you did, which is more to the point of lifting Ryan. Ryan, exactly. I my my attitude is one or the other. Either leave Hendricks in, and I wasn't that adamant about it at the time. But once he started that merry-go-round, I'm like, mm. wait a minute, you're really putting these guys in a bad spot. So I, so I'm with you. I think the answer was leave Ryan and give him an inning. And Herrera is the tying run. Okay, the, you got to look at that. If the worst thing happens, he homers. It's two to two. Ryan finishes the inning, and you still are set up for the rest of the game with a chance to win. But you're just you're you're putting Kinsler in a bad spot, Cshek in a bad spot, and God knows you put Strope in a bad spot. So that's my that's my that's my analysis. Either leave Hendricks in or leave Kyle Ryan in. Either one would have worked in my world. Then, as uh, Fred mentioned, Strope comes in. Strope's uh, velocity, velo, if oh. you will, is uh, not down. He's, he's lost velo. He wasn't even supposed to by design before the perfect design. You know, in a perfect right. world, he wasn't even going to come in. You point out all the things that broke down. Now he's in there. He throws the ninety-two mile an hour cookie. Where was that pitch, Fred? The 90- yeah, it was right around uh, be- just the below letters. the letters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, center, center cut. Yeah, we're middle of the plate yeah right. jesse your lo- your wonderful son could have hit that because it was like it was on a t not that your son's still hitting t-ball don't get me wrong but everything went bad and uh it looks terrible and now they're out of first place so fans are looking to point the finger and you know what they're gonna uh punishment of the innocent they're gonna point it at joe not at theo and uh, uh the worst scouting well, well, let me, man let me, let me, uh, yeah I, i'm with you McLeod, Jason McLeod. look but let's just at least say this. There's enough blame to go around when oh, you yeah. lose. It's never yeah. one person. Look, Rizzo looked terrible last night. The plate. Baez looked terrible. Mm-hmm. Contreras, they were 0 for 12, those three guys. Uh, there's enough blame to go around. But what can you control? That's the thing people are going to focus on. We can't. Madden can't. Nobody can control whether Rizzo gets a hit or not. But you can control putting your people in the best position to seed. That's, that's Madden. And also bringing in the right people. And that's on Theo. So, there is plenty of blame to go around. Big picture, as you say. Small picture, I don't think Joe put some some players in the best position to win. You know, Jess, and you've mentioned it after the game. You actually mentioned it. You are a soothsayer. You are, you know, you're getting you're going to be really good at this. Uh, you mentioned Wick bringing him in and pitching him more often. He does come in afterwards. He's the last guy comes in. But he's a guy that maybe you sit stroke for a little while. You bring Wick in in situations and let him throw because he is pitching the ball well. 
Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a flash in the plan thing. You know what I mean? Like, you got to watch. The stuff is good. Right. The heartbeat seems to slow down. I looked it up. Strope on one day rest. Uh, look, this is not perfect. Any reliever should be able to pitch on one day rest. His numbers are through the roof terrible, like 15 ERA. And it's small sample size stuff, but it's pretty clear to me, and Joe even mentioned it, that guy needs two or more days rest at this point in his career. It's two months to go. You can't go to him. He probably should have gone to Wick. I don't care if it's bases loaded. At least you learned something about the guy. But that is a guy. There are rookies that come up at this time of year yeah. and can make an impact. He's now on 16 straight scoreless appearances. Obviously, 13 of them were in the minors. It still all plays. I mean, think about his confidence if you've thrown 16 scoreless uh, innings or whatever outings. So um, he's got to almost replace Strope right now, in a sense, not getting the eighth inning. But whatever role Strope was going to have, sixth or seventh, maybe you got to throw Rowan Wick in there. And Strope becomes a minus or even guy at this moment. Well, Jesse, everything you say is correct, and Fred, you too. But we now know Joe for four and two-thirds seasons, right? Yeah. He... And there's a third of the season to go. And it was devastating last night, I understand that. Most fans, you know, like the NFL, you know, 16 games. Oh, the Bears lost. But here's the thing. Joe has never in four and two-thirds seasons been one to give the quick hook to one of his guys. Quick hook meaning big picture. So he's given, he's given Strope. More than enough rope. Well, right. And and eventually, which is probably now, fellas, but but he gave him one last opportunity. Or you have to put him on the uh, disabled list or whatever it's injured list, whatever they call it. If his velocity's down, you know, that's more than enough justification. Just always got a tender whatever, right? Even if it's phony baloney. Oh, absolutely. And so, because where are you going to use him? He's throwing BP. Put him in the sixth inning. That don't help. And people mad because he didn't hold Ryan till the next time around with the lefties coming up. And I understand that. Now with Holland, you know, who knows? He does, he's got the good lefty splits, as they say. But, uh, Jesse Holland is the new, he's replaced Mike Montgomery. See, is what it is. He might have been, if Holland was ready, he might have been the guy they brought in yesterday. Well, he, or, or later, or first, or, or, or back again in the eighth or ninth. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Well, but, let me, let, yeah. let me say this about Holland. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm intrigued because of this. And uh, I listened to Theo and Joe. Theo talked to Holland yesterday, and maybe this was all cliche stuff, but Holland really said uh, th- through Theo, I'm, uh, whatever you need, I'll do whatever you need. And I know that sounds cliche, but what's important here, and Murph, you know this, a converted starter that accepts his role as a reliever, and this role will be very specific, left-handed outs only. If he accepts that role, this guy could thrive. Converted starters can be great relievers if they buy in, if they accept their new role. Most of them want to get back to starting. He must know he's got no chance of starting on this team. If he buys in as that lefty specialist, there could be something there. The numbers are good, and they were good in a different role. Now you just stick him in there for one batter, he can unleash it. I'm intrigued by Holland. We'll see tonight. Speaking of throwing in a specialist, we got a special deal now for two people. 
We've got a four-pack of tickets to the Chicago Dogs on Saturday, August 3rd at Uh-oh. Impact Field in I Rosemont. Where, I see where this is going. No, it's not going to be Holland throwing. ESPN 1000's <laughs> Jesse Rogers will be on hand throwing out the first pitch of the game. You want to be there to heckle, I mean, to cheer him on. Get your tickets now, chicagodogs.com. Right now, first and second callers. I want to make it real easy. You're listening to Jesse. First and second callers, 312-332-3776. You win a four-pack of tickets to go see the Chicago Dogs and Jesse Rogers next uh, Saturday night. Jesse, how many many times have you, uh, in your uh, illustrious uh, 72-year career, thrown out the first pitch uh, anywhere? That would be, let me see, let me count it up, Mm -hmm. uh, zero. That would be zero. All right, so so you know know the two keys, the two tips? Yeah, well, well, I know one of them. Make sure the the front row behind the uh, backstop there is clear. Just a bit outside. Yeah, make sure that the make sure the mascots know where around. Exactly. Here they are. Here they are. Number one, throw from the grass at the front oh, of the yes. front of the mound. Yes, uh, see, that's cheap. That, oh, I'm telling you, that's no, cheap. no, no. And number two, throw it high. No one ever throws it over the catcher's head, but you can. You're more apt to bounce it in. So, that, that, the, actually, that's really good advice, yes. both those. Step- I'm going to throw an EFIS pitch. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, Jesse, I'm going to backtrack. for thir- we got so much to do. Jesse Rogers yeah, go. Uh, from Milwaukee. I want to just backtrack on one thing. It's not the lightning round yet. Holland. No, the light's in my eyes. I can't hit my screen. <laughs> okay. Jesse's lucky. To what? <laughs> Jesse? Uh, so Derek Holland has been a starting pitcher for 10 years, and he began this year as a starting pitcher. I believe that maybe uh, there's more elements to this than him being a loogie, a left-handed, one-out guy. M- M- Marshall. Uh, 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 Montgomery. Mike Montgomery. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mike Montgomery was a combo guy. He could You go extra innings, right? He can go sure. four innings. He can come in for one guy. Or th- now, I heard you this week, and it was pretty good, but you said, how come this was early? How come we haven't seen Chatwoods throw two innings in two weeks? Well, that's, see, I'll tell you why. Because once Montgomery was sent packing, they only had one quote-unquote long man. So for that, for that week and a half when you didn't see Chatwood, after Montgomery, Joe had to hold him back always. If this game goes extra innings, we're in big trouble. If this, if the pitcher has to leave, the starter has to leave the game early. So until you got this new guy, Holland, Chatwood has been your only emergency long man, as they used to call it. So I'm thinking that now there's more flexibility for Joe with both Chatwood and or Holland, because you can use one and save the other in case you have that dreaded 15-inning game and you need four innings somewhere. Just, just my thoughts out of the blue. Yeah, it, no, I would, I would agree with that. Except the way Theo and Joe talked yesterday, they really are going to change um, Holland's role, which mm-hmm. makes sense because his numbers are terrible against right. righties. They're I terrible know. in in any long inning stand. Okay. It does seem now. Now, of course, if they're backed in a corner and he's the guy left, at least you know he right. can pitch four or five innings. But, so. but that means you're still not going to see much Chatwood because you have to have a guy in right. case it goes extras and you got 15 inning game. You got guys that are all one inning. They're not left handed one out guys. They're all one inning guys. That's all yeah, they are these days. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Except here's my thing, and this goes back to the only big picture criticism I have of Joe. And it, and it relates to this. The point is this. You don't have this deep 
juggernaut team. You've got to use your guys when you can to win a game. Mm-hmm. And if you've avoided Chatwood, who has some of the best stuff when it's on yep. of anyone, if you've avoided him in case of this or maybe that or 15 innings this, I, I say, you All know right. what, go for the win in that moment. And if you end up losing in the 13th or 14th because you used Chatwood already, so be it. But you, you, you're you not getting there on the road especially. No. And this is my criticism of everything that's gone on. You know, the, the, the long leash with Pedro Strope. This isn't Pedro Strope from 16 or 17. This is Pedro Strope now. Uh, I could go through this whole thing, even um, the way he's used his position players. You are not this great deep team anymore. You've got to manage accordingly. I still think he has these moments where he doesn't, but that, that's a bigger picture thing. All right. Well, let's speaking of bigger picture. So the leadoff man position, okay? And uh, Theo, I, I got a new nickname for him is Duct Tape Manager. He's trying to duct tape this thing together. Yes. Pay, yes. No, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, <laughs> if anybody remembers The Wizard of Oz. Hey, EO11, you ever see it back before your grandparents were born? You ever seen The Wizard of Oz? I think kids today still watch Wizard of Oz. Okay, remember, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Well, that's what Theo's hoping everybody does. All right, I don't mind losing Dexter Fowler after 16 because he got five years big dough and he had two bust down No one's going to pay him that money. No one should have. See, these sabermetric guys. These sabermetric guys, God love them, and I'm totally into the numbers. I was reading and buying Bill James and John Dewan books, as you know, Jesse, 25 years ago. And yes. Mr. Dewan, hey, Murphy, <laughs> Mr. James, you know, so I love numbers, but they get so engrossed in this on base stuff that they think we could pop in anybody that pops schwarber back in there now he's three for 27 with zero walks then they put elmore in a week ago he's hitting about 220 is on bases like 233 uh, for july and uh Contreras, you know god love you god love them it was a one-time thing sure the mentality though there's nothing wrong with his on base batting number one i understand that but we have put a guy from the middle of the order number one and it changes i guarantee you unless he's a veteran unless he's a veteran it changes his mentality i'm up here now i gotta take a few pitches i gotta get on base that first fat one down the middle he might have driven for a homer in the six hole five hole but big picture they've discounted undervalued this leadoff slot oh you know you don't need a flea anymore if i hear that one more time i'll put a gun in my mouth you need a guy that's a real leadoff hitter mentally yeah i i think you're 100 right i was talking to our buddy bruce miles about this in the dugout yesterday this team could use the quintessential 1980s on base guy the flea the guy that takes up a lot of the pitcher's attention, whether it be at the plate or on the base pass. I think this particular team needs that so those guys in the middle of the order can have an easier time of, of slugging. So I think you're right. They, they have somewhat ignored it. Maybe it was okay when 2 through 8 was hitting well in 17, but now it could really use it and to lengthen the lineup and to really you know take the attention away from, from the pitcher, you know, to put some stress on him before the big boys come up. You're right about the duct tape thing. You know, they bring in Holland. That's a guy that was a DFA candidate. Let's see what he does. They'll probably try to pick up a New York Sogard. Let's see what he does. Uh, Theo, you'll like this, Murph. In, in, in Yesterday was talking about expectations. He said, I don't want to lower expectations for the trade deadline, but 
don't forget, we, we made our big acquisition in, in Craig Kimbrell. My criticism, <clears throat> criticism of that is Craig Kimbrell should have been signed in January. And then you wouldn't be able to use that as your big. Well, he's, he's full of he's full of garbage because it was a Zobra's money, and yeah, every exactly. every team's got July thirty first money in the drawer. As I've always said, Theo's great as long as he can outspend his mistakes. And Papa Ricketts closed the checkbook. Oh, there you are, Fred. I knew it was coming, and so did Jesse. <laughs> Lightning round. Jesse, we're already out of time. Number one. I'll go fast. I'll go number fast. Number one, EO 11. Here was a to- uh, Twitter poll. Number one, will Ben Zobrist solve the second base leadoff needs? Yes or no? What the fans say, EO? The fans said 74% of them said no. Jesse, are the fans close? No. I'm saying yes, he will, but it won't be till September. He will. He will what? So help he solve will the solve sec- second base leadoff lead role. God He'll love you. solve it. God love you, Jesse. Number <laughs> two. Number two in the lightning round. Cup fans. Twitter poll. Calling up Ian Happ was a, quote, Theo move of inspiration, calculation, education, or desperation. EO. The winner was 61% was desperation. Jesse. Education. All right, a well-educated general manager. Okay, I only five percent of the voters agree with you, Jesse. That's why we love <laughs> Jesse, like Murph, out of step Charlie, like me. Uh, <laughs> Cup fans, your last Twitter poll was yes or no? Will Albert Elmora be with the Cubs on August first? In other words, after the July thirty-first deadline. Eric, seventy-one percent of the voters said yes, which I think is kind of low. I'll say yes, just because I, I'll say yes because I don't know if they're going to have a better defensive center fielder anywhere around unless they bring one back. So I'll say yes, just because mm. of that aspect to his game. You're the best, Bratwurst Ted. <laughs> you guys have a great day, ABC Seven today. Chicago Dogs in a couple weeks. It's a busy time ah, for me. It sure is. Yeah, you make Dan Jiggets proud. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thanks, Jesse. Jess. Murph and Fred. Hey, we're one half hour away from Bears Talk with our guy Dan Shanka, uh, our lads, and Fred, when we return, look at our yellow pads. They're full, They're full here. We got so much to get to back in a flash. ESPN 1000. Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Now we're at the 50-yard line, halfway through the three-hour Sports Talk Gab Fest. Hope you're having a great, great Saturday. Fred got a little socks angle for you in a moment. But uh, remember we unrolled last week? Oh, this segment has just taken the country by storm. TW3. Give me a little TW3 mood music, please, Eric. TW3. Yeah, that was the week that was. All right? Okay. Sunday. That was within the last week, right? Yep. Sunday. Now I've seen it all, Fred. Ridley Field. Pop foul, all right? Uh-huh. And it's over near where the old uh, visitors' uh, bullpen area. Right. And now uh, the Cubs are, Rizzo's going after the pop-up, right? And there are men on uh, uh, first and second or second and third, but there's uh, one out. So 
He's going to make the catch, which he makes a great, like, over-the-shoulder running. And now he's got to turn around and make, you know, check the runners. Uh, the yeah. Runner on third trying to score and a tag up. or So he, he, he roams over. He's, like, over the shoulder with his long arm. He reaches right near the front row, right? He catches the ball. And the camera's zooming right in on him. And there's, like, five, six fans in the front row. You know what they're doing? Booing. No, no, they're Cub no. fans. Okay. They're going... They're not trying to catch the ball. They're not doing a Bartman. They're going, throw it They're here. The ball. Flip it here. Yeah. You know, like after the third out, when right. the first baseman throws, oh, here, Eric, can I have the ball? Anthony uh-huh. They look like little baby robins in the nest, you know, when they're blind yep. and they got their well, I know the look. open and the mother's coming with the word. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. You morons, it's a live ball. Yeah. There's two out now. He could have thrown it in the dugout and then run would have scored. <laughs> uh, let's, let's say his head wasn't in the game. Yeah. Let's say he was doing like an Addison Russell. Or you know, Milton Bradley. What? Well, yeah, right, yeah. Right field. He flips the ball to him. Yeah. I think the runners are probably like two bases on that. <laughs> what a bunch of morons. Give me the ball. I want the ball. The White Sox solved that problem. Well, yes, Put they on did. more netting. Yes, yeah, they did. That's right. You You're exactly. The there. Which brings up the question real quick, Eric, Fred. The Bartman play. Uh-huh. All right. We've all seen it, visualize it. By next year, every team, Wrigley Field, will have the netting. I don't really like that word, but I guess there's no other word. They'll have the netting down to each foul pole. Right. How would that have affected? I don't know. I'm trying to. The Bartman ball, Moises, Moise Alou, remember, leaped up, and it was, you know, right about where the. It all depends if the netting was in the front of the wall or the back of the wall. All right, good point. You know what I mean? Because the wall, good the wall up there, if I'm not mistaken, is about a foot wide. Oh, it's probably eighteen. But yes, whatever. So right. If it's if it's at the end of the wall, yeah, you know, closest to the stands, right. It might not have. It might have been allowed Alou to catch the ball. Now, if it had been like the wind blowing out to right, which I don't think it was. The ball could have been sort of drifting back, and it would have caught the inside of the net, if yeah. you will. But as soon as it hits the net, it's a dead ball. Right, but I don't think the wind for the Bartman ball was blowing right. out. So uh, that would have been really interesting. Maybe oh, you're going to get some plays like that in certain ballparks. You're going to get them, definitely. Right, right. That was the week that was. TW3 Monday, Ricky Renteria moved Mancata. Yoan Makata to the cleanoff slot. That day he went two for four, home run four ribbies. What do you do? You like that move? Fred? Yeah, yeah. Why not? You want to put him somewhere, and uh, he, you know, move him around mm-hmm. until you get everybody up, and then you can figure what's the best spot for everybody. I kind of liked him hitting number two. That wasn't a bad spot before Abreu, but now if you hit him uh, four, maybe Abreu will get some better pitches. It hasn't seemed to work. Abreu has been miserable hmm. since the uh, break. He's hitting just one ninety seven. Not only hitting two thirty seven since the break, so nobody's hitting for this team since then. But I'd, I'd like to see it. Leave Mokata there for a while and see how it works out, especially since McCann has been struggling, too. Let me ask something about Jose Abreu, who I love, and I think they should keep him. He's in a, a funk right now. Uh, everyone, bl- Addison Russell, you know, didn't know where to throw the ball, didn't know what was going well, on. Abreu did the but, dumbest thing I've seen in baseball. But everything, Addison Russell, well, you know, he's got personal problems. Yeah. You know, does Jose Abreu I don't know. You know, I, I don't care about his personal life, but does he have something he's... Because 
I'm 10 years old, Fred. Yep. Back around, uh, well, whenever. And Ernie Banks, my favorite player, was on first base at Wrigley Field. There's a long drive out to the 368 sign. And Ernie uh, is leading off first. He had the bad wheels, the bad knee. He's chugging around second. What do you know? Willie Mays or Richie Ashburn, whoever was yeah. out there, made a great catch. All right, for the second out. Now, what's Ernie got to do? Gotta He's go gotta, back, hit gotta the base. Get back to touch the base, get back to first, right? No. Not Ernie. He loped. He loped because he had the bum wheel. He loped right from shortstop position as he's rounding second over the pitcher's mound back to first. And I'm thinking, Ernie, you know, I'm 10 years old. I go, Ernie, you got to yep. touch second on your way back. I was devastated. Now I'm watching the White Sox. Yeah, Brayu did the same thing. He wasn't quite as far as Ernie was, but he did have to run on the grass to come back. Thursday night, not a game. They were losing ten to three, so yep. I'm sure most of the Sox fans didn't see this. But Abreu does basically the same thing. Here's TV. That ball to left. Rosario back, and he is there to make the catch. Abreu's past second yeah, base, and he didn't retag, so they're going to appeal at second, and he's going to be out. And there it is. Jose is standing at first. He doesn't know yet what he did, but he'll see it if they look at the highlights. And if you pass second base, you have to retag it on your way back to first. And Jose here clearly hits the bag and then just comes back without retouching. So Scope sees it right away. He said, look, he didn't touch it, so just give me the ball and we'll get a double play here. Well, look, the shortest distance between two points is straight line. <laughs> On the bright side, he did get back to first quickly. <laughs> More quickly than anybody has that is good. in recent memory. That's so un you like I know. Just a brain crap. All right. Ernie. I love Ernie. I loved Ernie. He didn't know the, all the rules. He yeah. was a hitter. Yeah. Now. Fred, when Abreu gets back to first and the camera zoomed in... Yeah, he, he looks like he has no idea what's going on. The inning's over. Right. E-11, you saw it too, right? The inning's over, and the first base coach... It was at Boston. Who yep, I, Darryl Boston. Explained, why am I out? He explained to him, you got to touch second when yeah. you're by shortstop. He legitimately looked like he had no idea that that was the rule. Yeah. Uh, that was... It, it, it freaked me out. I couldn't believe he didn't know it. Um, and it's not a brain cramp. Yeah, no. I, I don't think I seriously don't think he knew it, he which never, is even he didn't worse. Know. Yeah, like and Ernie. When are they going to go over something like that? Never. See, yeah. that's a great point. They would never go over something like do? that. Spring you learn training? that is like you said when you're ten in little league, <laughs> or when you're twelve or fifteen <laughs> in high school. I don't know that Abreu in Cuba played ball in high school and they broke that down. When a guy like Abreu hits, he probably never had that situation. Yeah. He just trotted around the bases all the time. So here they, they're down at Camelback Ranch in March and they go, okay, after PFP, pitcher really, man. All right, we're going to work on this play where you got to actually touch second. No. They know that. Yeah. Well, they don't. My only question is, my only question yeah, about that play, yeah. and I have to look at the rule book. Uh-huh. I always thought that you should run and just have your foot on the base. Now, if you have your foot on the base and it's caught, do you have to pick it up and touch the base again to no, come back? No. If you've never, if you've never pers- passed you, the base but, with one of the okay, but if you have rounded the base and you have your foot on the base, that's all right. Between second and third, yeah. 
If you, you can pick, just go straight back. Sure, sure. Okay. If you pick up that back foot, the pivot foot, when you're, like yeah. in basketball, oh, then you got to re-tag. Right. But, yeah. If you're standing on it, you no. don't have to. Oh, no, 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 no. That's the only thing I was thinking right. because, no, no. you know, baseball's got weird rules. Sure. And I thought maybe there was a possibility because I always thought, why would a person even round it? Just run to the bag and wait till it's either caught or not caught and then either advance mm-hmm. or come back. No, now you're thinking. Well, yeah. Remember and, what and, your dad taught yeah, you. Yeah, don't ever, you know, don't think we're, it's not good for you when you're not used to it. <laughs> Uh, White Sox fans have voted. Let's bring in EL11. Bears talk top of the hour. We'll get back to the Cubs in a couple of minutes. White Sox fans, here was the poll question. Rick Hahn should trade away top bullpen guys, Calame and uh, Bummer, Aaron Bummer, to help ensure one last high draft pick in 2020. Reason I look at this. Uh, Fred, the uh, Chicago Cubs, uh, over time, uh, they milked their uh, four top uh, draft picks. They had four, count them, four top draft picks. They had Bryant, number two, Schwarber, number four, Almora, number six, Hap, number nine. Right. Whether they worked out or not, not the point. The White Sox last three picks have been Third round this year, Andrew Vaughn, the big slugging first baseman, third. Uh, And uh, Nick Madrigal, fourth Uh overall, the second baseman. And going backwards, the one more year, Jake Berger, uh, the 11th pick. The White Sox, do they want to try to ensure, right now, they would pick seventh. If the season ended today, their seventh worst record out of the 30 teams. So, Sox fans, Fred, yes or no? Trade away these bullpen guys and try to get up there again, second, third, or fourth. First, what the fans say, Eric? Two-thirds of the fans, so 67%. They're going to say the wrong thing. I'm, I'm probably agreeing with you, Fred. Said yes, that yeah, they should get rid of those guys to insure. They're completely wrong. And I actually learned that I typed the wrong insure. It's ensure, not yeah. insure. I learned <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, they're completely but, wrong. But Jeff Vuk can, Vuk can insure you. There's no, absolutely. Yes, exactly. That's why I looked up the difference yeah. of ones like you get uh-huh. car insurance. Well, so insure like, oh. is the drink that's a competitive boost. Yeah, there's <laughs> absolutely no reason. There's absolutely no reason to try at this point to get a higher draft pick. It's completely ridiculous. And you can get good draft picks anywhere in the first round. You've already gotten your guys. You, you've made international signings. There's no reason to do it at all. Let's take absolutely a break. Absolutely none. And now, if you want to do it for guys yeah. who are already established right. or young players that were high draft picks in other teams, that's another story. Yeah, because how did uh, Schwarber, Elmar, and Hap turn out so far? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Ryan's one out of four ain't bad. He was the second pick, and the Astros whiffed. They should have taken him. And then what would Theo have taken to sore arm uh, righty, whose name doesn't matter? Forget it now. Jonathan Gray. Appel. Oh, no, Mark Mark Appel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But Jonathan Gray went third, and he's had nothing but problems with uh, Colorado. If Epstein doesn't deliver a big-time player, July 31st, he will be forever known as Theo Epfraud, as opposed to right now just the uh, duct tape man. Back in a flash, lots to cover. Bears talk top of the hour. Glad you're with us. Hope you're having a great day. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, ESPN 1000. Oh, the Gillette music. Crank it up there, Eric. Careful what you wish for. Get rid of that, Joe, man. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. Bears talk in a little while. Fred, uh, miss a little, miss a lot. I heard Joe earlier this week, one uh-huh. of his... 
what do you guys call it? Post-game pressers? Where he's, you know, breaking down what happened. And uh, he was asked about, I forget which day it was. Uh, one T- of the losses. They're one in three on the road, so oh, yeah. probably a loss. TW3. That was the week that was. They, they mentioned on the, on the broadcast last night that uh, of this trip right now, three uh, of the games have been decided in the team's last at-bats. Isn't that something? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the first eight, the first seven or eight innings don't mean much. Just be ready out there for the eighth, ninth, or eleventh. Yikes. So, be careful what you wish for, Theo and Cub fans. So you have a cut here, uh, EO11. It's Joe Madden after one of the games, like Fred was saying. And he's sort of talking, you know, okay, yada, yada. Cow jumped over to Moon about uh, uh, Craig Kimbrell's usage. Uh, and then real softly, who is it he talks about? So, uh, uh, Soriano? Or? Rafael Soriano. Okay, the reliever. Back when he was with Tampa Bay. What year was that? Uh, uh, in 2010, the, Rafael Soriano uh, was with Madden. All right, so listen closely. And remember, okay. a rookie new manager might not be able to do this. He told us before the game he felt good. Kimbrel. He because we were prepared to tell him no game today, and he said, "No, no, no. I feel really good today, and actually, uh, there's a chance I won't feel as good tomorrow as I will today." So, I've talked about this before, listening to your relief pitchers and listening to your closers, especially obviously veteran guys. Uh, Rafael Soriano taught me that years ago. That popped in my head. No, I'm really good today, and he's popping 97s. All right, hold that thought, Fred. Yep. Eric, what kind of year? And that was the only one year where they were both together, Joe, 2010, uh, Soriano. How did he do that year? He had a hell of a year. So he led the uh-huh. league in saves with 45 saves. He had a ridiculous whiff of .8. So he had a really, really good year. Let's see. His ERA was 173 that year, and uh, he appeared in 64 games. So the uh, press corps... I uh, was challenging Joe, you know, well, why'd you bring in uh, Kimbrell tonight? Right. Why didn't you give him a day off? And he says, well, I remembered way back, yeah. you know, nine, ten years ago, whatever. And he said, uh, you know, I learned that sometimes they're going to feel better today right. than if I give them the day off, how they might feel tomorrow. Yeah, also, it's tough, though, because a lot of times guys, baseball players are going to get tell you that. No, 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 I can go. I can go, especially when you just paid a guy right. that kind of money. So you really have to know, right. uh, get to know this guy, and, and Joe doesn't know him all that well right now. And the uh, point is, right or wrong is not the point. point is, at least he has a frame of reference. Yeah. All these years of managing, and you're bringing the new guy. That's all I'm saying. Be careful what you wish for. Uh, Twitter poll, Bears fans. Oh, listen to this. Bears fans, true or false? No matter... Who the kicker is, we will know nothing until his first pressure kick week one in Green Bay. A lot to digest there. True here. or false? No matter who the kicker is, well, ver- I'm sorry, Fred, yeah, yes, versus, here. versus yeah. Green Bay. I'm sorry, yes, of course. No matter who the kicker ends up being, we will know nothing until his first pressure kick week one versus Green Bay. This better be 100%. Okay, I agree. What do we got, Eric? All this does is this proves that it's impossible to get 100% on a yeah. Twitter poll, but <laughs> 93% of the voters said true. Okay. So. Now, camp today going on right now. I, don't, I think they, well, 8.15, maybe they, they might have just concluded. Any uh, chatter or buzz from the uh, tweeters? Absolutely. So all the reporters that are out there watching, if you follow them on Twitter, they're just tweeting about what the kickers are doing. Apparently, Elliot Fry had a really good day. This is from Kevin Fishbane's uh, Twitter account. He His first kick, he missed from 33 yards, and then he made it. 
And then he made two from 38, one from 43, one from 48, one from 53, and one from 58. There you go. So he made seven in a row after missing his first one. Well, then we know all about him. We're good to go. Elliot Fry for what I saw. Bears, Super Bears, Super Bowl. Nine of ten for uh, Elliot Fry, according to the JD. Yeah, game one, so. Thursday night, Green yep. Bay, Soldier Field, boom, boom, boom. You can go to the refrigerator when he's going to line up for that game-tying 49-yarder. Less, right, less than six weeks till the opener. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'm going to go to the refrigerator. 49-yarder is going to tie the game here, and then uh, we'll win the coin flip. And uh, he'll nail the 52-yarder, and we beat the Packers 6-3. Uh, to three. What? <laughs> Bears be a lot talk next. Stick around. We're going to visit with our buddy Dan Shaka, talking Bears, and then back on the baseball beat. Busy day. Hope you're having a great Saturday. We are ESPN 1000. This is ESPN 1000. Live from the first Midwest Bank Studios on State Street, WMVP Chicago. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Morning, everybody. Hour number three. Lots of baseball talk. We'll pivot. I hate that word. We'll get back to that in a little while. You want to pivot back to baseball in a little while, Fred? You should. You should hate it less now that uh, Edison Russell's not here. <laughs> I'm the fast man on the pivot. Uh huh. One one minute away from Dan Shaka, ourlads.com. Twitter poll question active right now. Bears fans, how much do you factor in? That is a little little wordy, little wordy. So work with me here. How much, Bears fans, how much do you factor in Mitch Trubisky's 12 starts under John Fox two years ago as far as a constructive part of his learning experience? How much do you factor in those 12 starts under John Fox as part of his learning experience? Well, you know, he's in his third year now, Fred. Uh He's in his third year now. How much do you factor that in? Vote now. That'd be A. Oh, very much. Oh, very much. Got to factor that in for his experience. Or B. Well, some. You know, factor in some. C. Mm, very little. Or D. None. I don't count that at all as experience. Let's go now. Oh, one of our favorite guys, a friend of the program, always has a few minutes for us. You should have a few minutes for him. Outlads.com. Manager Dan Shark, a longtime pro scout, longtime college scout, and longtime visiting uh, visitor with Murph and Fred. Good morning, Dan Shark. You probably thought we wouldn't you wouldn't hear from us again until draft day. No, no, no. We're always thinking of you. How are you today? I'm good, guys. Uh, I tell you what, Murph, you're a little bit brutal on John Fox. You know, uh, uh, but uh, I tell t- I'm looking really forward to. Trubisky taking another step this year. I think that, you know, we liked him when he came out. And, um, you know, ironically enough, even though that was a tough, really, first year, I mean, um, you know, working within different offenses and things, you you pick up a lot, you learn a lot. And uh, now with the second year under Nagy, I think that uh, we're going to really see him blossom. Yeah, if nothing else, he learned maybe things not to do. (laughs) And that's that's just as good, right? Absolutely. You know, so, you know, I mean, I think that, um, you know, here's a guy that uh, uh, just 
you know, he's a one-year starter in college, and now he'll be his third year in the pros and starting. So uh, he's just like a college senior anymore, I guess. All right. Well, Dan Shonka, let the record show. I haven't voted. Those were just that was just my Twitter poll. Now let's see what the fans let's see what the fans have voted. Well, yeah, I sort of set it up. I wrote it last night, and uh, I don't drink on Friday nights as I prepare for the show. <laughs> Though I, I was looking at that big bottle of beef feeder when the Cubs blew it in at the uh, end of the game last night. A, a beef feeder martini uh, with some blue cheese olives could have hit the spot. But let's bring in Eric Ostrowski, see what the fans have said. Dan, here was the setup. How much do you factor in Mitch Trubisky's 12 starts? his first year under John Fox, as far as being a constructive part of his learning experience. Very much, some, very little, or none. All right, this is not me, this is not Dan, this is not Fred. EO! The voting uh, is pretty spread out. So we'll start at the bottom with only 11%, which I don't know how it got 11%, saying that he learned very much from John Fox. Okay. 19% saying he learned nothing, none, 32% 32% saying he learned some, and with the most amount of votes, with 38%, is he learned very little from John Fox. All right, not to ask Dan Shaka to vote, though you're always welcome to, Dan, but uh, let's augment what you and Fred were just saying. What, could, what were the positives being in a system that was archaic, being in a system that would totally be gone in a second year? But again, uh, you're the guy, you're the expert. Uh, tell us, and Fred uh, was saying uh, the positives. Well, I tell you, you know, the the thing that you have to remember back uh, a few years ago, those receivers are dropping balls left and right, too. And, uh, you know, he is, you know as uh, antiquated, I guess you'd say, as John's offense is. Because, I mean, John was always a run. Hey, uh, <laughs> Trubisky learned how to pivot and hand off to the running back. Right? Right. Uh, the, the, pe- the passing game was not John Forte. Uh, but but anyway, just getting in there and getting the hits and getting seeing defenses and things like that, I think it was it, it was a really good thing and uh, it, it didn't hurt him. So I think that uh, he, he learned somewhat. I guess you know we all know John that they, I mean I'm sorry we all know Dan that they didn't have um, first round pick second round pick but they did have a third round pick and they go on out and grab a running back they move uh, Howard and they bring in David Montgomery. Um, Montgomery apparently had a nice practice, uh, very, very quick. What is it Bears fans can expect from this guy as he goes forward? Because he seems like he's going to be the guy that's going to tote the rock a lot more than uh, Tariq Cohen is. Uh, right. Well, and he should. And, you know, Tariq's your special, uh, you know, your, your special utility kind of guy that you can line him up anywhere. David Montgomery can carry a game. I mean, here's a guy that can uh, give you good things at the start of a game, and he can close it out for you because, I mean, he's one of those 3.4, 3.5 backs when needs to be. And what I mean by that, you add those 3.5s together and you got a first down. So, um, But I tell you, he's a tough guy to tackle. He runs with his pads over his toes and his eyes up. He's a physical running back, and, uh, and 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 despite that, he was only hurt one, really one time or nicked up at Iowa State where he missed one game. He missed an ankle there because I got to see David uh, for three years, and I really got a good feeling about him uh, uh, watching him you know, at Iowa State and then heading into the pros. And I think that third-round selection was really a steal because uh, 
David, and, and here's the other thing. David can really catch the ball well out of the backfield. People Great. don't realize that because they didn't throw it to him a whole lot at Iowa State. Uh, they want to just give him the rock and let him pound it between the tackles and things like that. But he can catch the ball well, and he can make you miss in the open field. So I'm glad that uh, he looked well uh, or looked good in the early practice there so uh, he could show that little bit of shake and bake moves he's got. Uh, Dan Schock, it's been what now, Fred, three, four months since the draft. So refresh us a little bit. Our lads pick number two for the Bears, fourth round, 126 overall. Uh, R- Riley uh, Ridley pulled a little tweak on his hammy. Strained hammy, yeah, yesterday. They downplayed it. It always worries you. He's not going to be, you know, in the flow with the early stuff. But regardless of that, remind us uh, the Our Lads uh, look at uh, Riley uh, uh, Ridley, please. Ridley? Okay, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Excellent hands. Now, he's not the burner that his brother did, and that's why he fell to the fourth round because, you know, he wasn't a 4-3 guy, but he runs great routes, catches the ball in his hands and out away from his body, um, and uh, really a smart receiver. Uh, He'll go in and block you. Everything's really positive there. And I would expect him, you know, once – He's healthy, and of course, you know, know, they all remember Kevin White, you know, injury after another, and they're hoping that Ridley won't have the same thing, but I, you know, I I don't think he will, and I think here's a guy that will be an asset to the team and fit into that rotation, you know, with Robinson and Miller and, and Gabriel and that group. I never thought I'd ask you this question. It's not a Bears-related question, but you just brought up his name. Kevin White, I saw highlights of the Arizona Cardinals, and uh, obviously the Arizona Cardinals don't have a problem with showing any of their video from practice, unlike a lot of other teams, maybe the Bears included. Um, but they, they threw a touchdown pass, and it was Kevin White catching it in the, the end zone. Can I mean, after injuries and things like that, can this guy be a receiver in the NFL? Yeah, you know, that's the thing, and you always hate to see it when – you know, you're the one team that drafted him, and then it's an injury or a suspension or something that, you know, never lets the guy get in the flow of things. And maybe right now he doesn't have to be the guy, right. you know, out there in Arizona because we know the guy is Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, a, a great, great Hall, future Hall of Fame receiver that will teach these guys how to work. And uh, if you got a little nick, that's too bad. Everybody gets nicked up, you know what I mean? So, Yes, to answer your question, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the thing is, Kevin White only had that one big year at West Virginia, and then, you know, uh, and he, had his, uh, he was a JC guy, and only played, you know, really a year and a half of big time football. Then he comes, he gets drafted, he, run, he ran fast, and, you know, all that stuff, and, uh, and then he gets hurt, you know, right, right away. And so we haven't seen, I think, the best of him, but uh, we'll see what happens in Arizona. But they got a lot of good receivers there in Arizona, so. He's going to have to compete for a spot. Well, one thing that I did, and just as we were talking, I brought up the uh, Arizona Cardinals depth chart on OurLads.com. And where, where, where'd you get that from? Yeah, that would be OurLads.com. Right. That's one of the best things for my purposes about your site is that you can bring it up so quickly. I, I Yesterday I printed up all of the the teams in the Bears division and you know my 49ers because I'm not sure what's going on with them and how everything's going to work with them uh, also. But you also do a NCAA depth charts, don't you? Yes, absolutely, Fred. We got uh, 130 teams out there uh, that we do their depth charts, and we update those weekly and uh, um, prior to the game. And, and usually, we start about Wednesday once we get the information from the 
college teams sure. you know, on on uh, all the updates and injuries and what have you that we posted. So yes, fans can go uh, uh, look at for all the independents, all the the Power Five, the uh, uh, you know the other team, but 130 uh, college football teams are on there, um, and then uh, along with our 32 NFL depth charts. I hear, Fred, it would have been 131, but no one cared about the U of I, so they didn't put it in. <laughs> Are you oh, kidding? I'm just Lovey, kidding. Lovey's beard will turn even more gray if no. you say that. Cut it out. <laughs> Lovey's beard will turn even more gray. Let the record show Fred Eubner said that. A guy who, if he grew a beard, would be probably, what, black? No, mine? Yeah. No, it'd, be, it'd be great. Okay, just yeah, for the it'd be record. Great. Almost as great as Lovey's. Lovey's white. Well, yeah, you're right. He's got a white beard now, doesn't he? Yeah, it's it's, oh, yeah. it's it's as white as could be. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. So is the AD probably after this? What's going on there? All right, now Dan Shonka, second year head coach, uh, now for the, for the Bears, and uh, Matt Nagy's in his second year. How this is in general? You've been around football, pro football, amateur, all football for most of your life. For a guy like. Uh, for any second-year coach, is it difficult now, and specifically Matt Nagy, naturally, but in general, so you had the first year, you had all your camps and workouts, and you have a 12-4 and four season, now it's the second year, and most of the guys, other than the you know few new free agents and the draft picks, they're bringing back almost all the guys. I'm thinking, you know, how do you change it up, or do you have to? Now, uh, let's bring in Eric Ostrowski. Eric, uh, the Bears uh, first open to the public and media uh, camp uh, workout today. What are you seeing? A few things about some new tweaks. What did what'd you tell me? All right, so they're doing this new drill, and I read this again on Twitter from J.D., Jeff Dickerson, our Bears reporter, that what they're doing is a new way of, like, they're pairing people up. So there'll be three guys on the field. One is Mitch, and then one, for example, one drill was Allen Robertson versus Kyle Fuller. Three guys out there running a go-route only so they could practice their deep balls. And so, like, a compound competition, the crowd's all yelling and cheering. And winner or losers, if, the, if the, like, the Allen Robinson caught that ball, the whole defense had to do up-downs. The next one, Prince of Mukamura made a play. The whole offense had to do up-downs. And he's also, uh, so what he's doing there, thank you, Eric. What he's doing is, is, you know, is he doing that just for flavor, just for color? It is an open practice. To try to mix, yeah. the, to try to mix things up a little bit. In general, and then specifically, Dan, what are your thoughts, a second-year guy in general, and then specifically? Well, you know, I think you're going to see uh, a greater improvement overall in the team just because the team is going to, you know, know the offense a little bit better. It's going to be, you know, we got it, although, you know, there's a, um, a different defense, but they're going to, you know, they're going to know uh, things better. They're going to learn more. I think that Nagy uh, uh, is, you know, he, he's obviously uh, an offensive guru, and you, so you expect that offense to take another step forward, and I think it will, as long as, you know, that blocking holds up up front. I mean, that's the key. And, and injuries, I mean, that's you know, the name of the game. But I think uh, overall, um, you know, I think the Bear fans, even though you might be a better team, but the record might not be as good. You know, I mean, and that that happens, but that still doesn't mean you can't be a playoff team. So uh, I think that the, the Bears will be a better team uh, because, you know, Nagy just, I mean, your, your first year, whether you're a player or whether you're a coach, you're kind of feeling your way a little bit. Uh-huh. And, you know, so, but now I think that this year they'll take a step up and then, you know, like the drill Eric was talking about there, I think any way that you can create competition, you know, in your practices, 
That's what you want to do. And the players love it. You know, the, hey, it, it gives you a shot of adrenaline. You know, hey, this isn't the old, you know, old day Bears where, I mean, it was drudgery for months in camp and things like that. Yeah, right. uh, you Two know, days. Old days. Right. Right. But, but now, you know, you've got some, uh, you got competition and it's a lot of fun. The fans love it. And so it's a, it's a win-win for everybody out there. And uh, you love to see people compete, the wide receivers with the defensive backs and what have you, and Trubisky throwing the ball in the right spot and all that. So, no, it's a good thing. Dan, uh, speaking of Trubisky, same topic. We have a soundbite here. This was Mitch Trubisky at a uh, press conference you know, earlier this week, and it's just a little 10, 15-second snippet. But he's going to talk about now in his you know third year, second year under the, the new regime, how he can get in and out of the huddle quicker and what that means for having the remaining time on the play clock. Put the phone right up to your ear. Turn it up there, EL11. Uh, what do we make of this? Here's uh, Trubisky earlier this week. When you get into the practice, for me, it's like uh, huddle efficiency and just getting out of the huddle really quick. So we have more time at the line of scrimmage uh, to see the defense, to dissect what they're doing and make sure everyone's on the same page. So we have more opportunities to communicate in the huddle and at the line of scrimmage. So just little things like that, I think they go a really long way and I think the really great teams are, are are good at the little things and that's what we're trying to focus on. Dan, a lot of fans could think oh that's just, you know, blah blah blah, but break it down what does it mean to even one or two seconds, I'm just making that up three, get out of that huddle quicker what does it do overall? Well, first of all you see the defense, you can see what the adjustments they make right away and then, then you kick in your you can motion and then see what they go into, like their base package. Because when you go into motion, you know, the defense has got to adjust to it and see what their adjustments are. So, no, that means what. And then the other thing is, you know, Trubisky, when he was in college, he was in a no-huddle offense. You know, so being, uh, you know, being in a huddle now for the last couple of years, he can get things out and be snappier. Then to come up the line of scrimmage, you get your pre-snap read, and then you make the throws. And uh, so, or you check out, check with me, check to a running play, check to the best play you can. And all those things can take place if you get out of the huddle faster. So two or three seconds could really be huge, even though it doesn't seem like much? Right. It, it doesn't, you know, it really doesn't seem like much unless, unless you're on a, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, an elliptical or something like that. Oh, God, I got to go three more seconds. Uh-huh. But uh, no, that, that three seconds means. You know, that time, it's like it could be three to five seconds. It could be right. three to seven seconds and make the play. Also, a moment or two later, we have a second quick bite for you, about 15, 20 seconds. Mitch Trubisky will then continue. And this is sort of subtle, uh, but he's talking about sort of uh, adding two existing plays in his second year with the playbook. In other words, same play, but now he can add on to it. Let's eavesdrop here uh, with uh, Dan Chonka, our lads, our NFL expert, and here's Mitch talking about adding on to the play. Oh, that's a huge advantage, um, and it allows us to go even further within the details, and it allows us to watch more film and install and talk about every other thing because you, you don't have to talk about just like – the, the base of the play. So I think it allows us to accomplish a lot more uh, throughout meetings and, and get a lot more done. And, and we're also allowed to add more. And so it, 
I think for us older guys coming back, it helps us teach the younger guys like we have the last couple of days, just helping them uh, get accustomed to this new offense uh, and, and learn the ins and outs of it. And as a quarterback, for me, you just you just want to master every part of it. So if you know a play inside out, you're able to teach it to somebody else, then you know it pretty well. And then when you're on the field, you're not thinking about it. You're just you're just playing ball, and that's when that's when it can really get fun. How funny is that? Older guys like me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he says, add on. Uh, you know, uh, we can then learn more or what we can do. Uh, break that down for us, Dan. Uh, what, what's he saying there uh, between the uh, X's and, o, and O's? Well, that, that uh, comes when you make your, uh, you know, on-the-field shifts and things like that. So, you know, last year might have been, you know, a, a base offensive play. Now you can put a guy in motion. Uh, that guy, uh, you know, it may be Cohen. You put him in the slot now, but, but you know, they – they line up in, in one formation and shift to another and then motion, which gives you another look. So those things, there's a lot of different adjustments you can make at the line of scrimmage that last year because of the, you know, younger guys and, and they just the first year offense for Nagy, you couldn't do because, you know, it, it's so complicated, the offenses and defenses in the NFL. Uh, and, you know, you know, I always wonder why it has to be that complicated, but, it's always the last guy with the chalk, whether it's the defensive guy uh-huh. or the offense, or the, you know. So, so anyway, yeah, all those adjustments can take place uh, now that maybe last year it couldn't because you got guys that have been there, veterans that know what's going on, and uh, and then they absorb the stuff, and boom, they can make that adjustment on the run. If this were the old days, I could say this. Is it the difference between the Bourbonnet phone book and the Chicago phone book? But people don't know what a phone book is anymore. But you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, and that's true. The you know Chicago phone book uh, is now the playbook of the NFL. And in uh, wow. Gale Sayers and Dick Butkus' days, it was the Bourbonnet phone book. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. Or last year, it was still... <laughs> Piecing it together. <laughs> Final couple of minutes. Our, our, our good uh, friend Dan Chalk at our lads. All right, Dan, you've uh, danced around this a uh, little bit, like you were looking at my yellow pad. My final thoughts. And uh, Fred, you mentioned the great depth chart. Uh, the depth charts are unbelievable. I'm sitting here circling stuff because not right. only does it say uh, who the guys are, but like for the draft picks, it'll mention 19th. Uh, nine, he was drafted in 19 in the fourth round and all yeah. that stuff. And, yeah, and, and they're tremendous for me. So here's where I'm going to uh, either give you a great new idea, Dan, for your RLED's uh, depth chart, or you're going to tell me, Murph, we know what we're doing here. Stay out of White Sox business. Oh, no, that was Kenny Williams. Stay out of RLED's business. Now, our good friend uh, John DeWan uh, and Bill James, they're the two baseball stat guys, you know, of all time, right? Yep. yep, And and John DeWan, a good friend of our program here, he is with the Baseball Info Solutions now, BIS.com. He invented, if you will, the Fielding Bible about five, ten years ago. Not just fielding percentage, but where they actually did, uh, you know, analytics and metrics. Now, three years ago, Javi Baez did not fit because he awarded the winner of the fielding Bible at first base, second base, third base, shortstop, you know. And Javi Baez, he basically was the winner at second and short, but he didn't have enough games, so he didn't win any of them, either of them, right? So John DeWan had to sort of create... The utility position. And then the next year or two, Javi won that new position. So, of course, I'm leading up to uh, uh, Tariq Cohen. 
All right. Now I'm looking at the depth chart here, and you got two. Run, you got running back, like you got the left wide receiver, the right wide receiver, but you got running back and you got running back. So you got running back. One of them, uh, you know, David uh, Montgomery, and behind him, you know, Mizella, whoever's still around, and right. the other running back, Mike Davis, and behind him, you got Tariq Cohen. I contend that. Okay, last year, and I actually did some research here, carries, rushes, you know, not touches, that counts everything. Uh, 99 rushes last year for Tariq Cohen. Uh, and, of course, runaway leader with 250 was uh, Howard. This year, I don't think Tariq Cohen's going to be rushing the ball enough to be called. Here's my question. Is he really a running back, or do you need to take a page from John DeWan and put a new slot, a new line in there? Because you called him like a utility guy. I heard you about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, well, no. Uh, what <laughs> we do, try we try to stay standard yeah. as much as we can. You know, it's all 32 NFL depth charts, but... You know, that being said, uh, like, you know, we put a nickel defensive backs now, okay? Um, but every team has got a smaller, quick, speedy guy now, like a Tariq Cohn, and um, that could possibly be that position. But we grouped them all, like, just because we got, like, those four running backs up there, like Davis, Montgomery, yeah. Mizell, and then uh, Cohn, hey, they're all in different, you know, they're packages. And so um, it's hard to put up you know, other than a base package because there's so many packages. But you're right. I mean, Cohen is a, he's a utility guy. He's a special uh, guy that they can align a lot of places. And each team has a guy like that. Now, if uh, we can convince 32 teams to, uh, you know, make that guy a certain position, we'll probably <laughs> make that adjustment. So if he ends up this year with more receptions than rushes, what are you going to do with them next year? <laughs> yeah, well, he'll been, he'll probably be in, uh, you know, in a, a running back uh, two spot, I guess, you know, but, uh, because yeah, that's the packages that get him all those, yeah, you know, right. receptions. So, but no, that that's a very valid thing. But uh, you know, when we look at it, we got to try to look at thirty-two teams. Uh, I'm just, I'm just wanting you to say, stay out of our land's business, Murph. Like Kenny <laughs> Williams used to say, there was about white stuff. But, but the, no, we're. We're always open to ideas. Oh, and yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I thought about uh, that before, too, because they are a different position. They're not just a running back, you know. So, um, But, hey, uh, maybe that'll come when I get smarter. <laughs> no, no, no. The forward shovel pass, Fred, yeah. is that, you know, where the guy goes in motion, Trubisky in the shotgun, shovels it forward. Fred, is that a rush or a reception? That's you... a reception. Really? Yep. Yeah, it's yeah, a forward it's a pass. And, and, and if you drop it, it's not a fumble. Right. It's an incomplete pass. But yeah. what, in, in reality, isn't it more of a rush than a reception? It's a it's a seven inch forward pass. He's yeah, but rushing. It's, but but you you use the word. It's a forward. Pass. Oh no no. Yeah. I understand yeah. the the technicality. Yeah. But really, he's running, and sometimes the circle, the, the the quick little flare pass is. They say now it's more of a rush than it really is a pass. So everything's commingling, right? But Murph, you got. Here's what you got to do: take out the pen right now and put down capital K I S S. 
Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> well, you know that's what? Tough to, that's tough to do with the NFL. Every time uh, my lovely wife that Dana, is. every time my lovely wife Dana puts K I S S, I know she's calling me stupid. You're exactly right. <laughs> hey, that's thanks. why I always remind myself. Keep hey, it simple, stupid. I love it. Hey, Dan Shaka, Ironlands.com. Got to fly. Thanks for all the time. Talk to you down the line. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Okay, anytime, guys. Thanks a million. Hey, we'll get. Thank you too. We'll get back on the baseball beat in a moment and. Uh, uh, lots to cover. Yellow pad. Busy final 30 minutes. Don't go anywhere. Back in a flash. No flipping. ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred, 9 till noon. And I hope you're having a great it's another Tequila Saturday. Was that a, a song by the Eagles? It's another Tequila Saturday. That was it. That was it. Or maybe Sunrise. There's a great. There's a great uh, brewery up uh, near near where is it? North and Clybourne. Off Color Brewing. They have a whisk. They have a tequila barrel aged beer called Beer for Tacos. Really? Oh my God! It's, it smells like tequila. It was uh, just aged in tequila barrels. Mm. So good. I had it recently. It is so so good. Do they have beer for pizza? Uh, they don't. Well, all the all beer is for <laughs> oh, pizza. There you go. Let's be honest. Oh, Fred, I I have to admit I cheated. Uh huh. I cheated. You this did week. drink last night. Oh no! After thirty years, yeah, I cheated. Okay. Home run. Should in, you be saying that on the radio? Home run in frozen pizza has been my go-to for thirty years. Before they first started, they were yeah, just they're my favorite. It. I mean, thirty years ago, it was. Uh, the only frozen pizza that was any good, right? And it was just in a few places here and there. Sure, it was the beginning of their uh, what's with you know distribution of yep. their production, and they had the big yeah, now it's everywhere a big plant where they just you know make the frozen. Uh-huh. And, excuse me, and it's the best. But I cheated, okay. And I'm a little worried now for uh, HRI Home Run In. Okay, where'd you go? Well, I, I frozen pizza. Yeah. Vito and Nick's Nick and Vito. Yeah. And the reason I say both names, so I bought the frozen pizza. I didn't know they made frozen pizza. I know. They just started doing it. Aren't they the place over on, on the south side? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I've never been there. They say it's awesome. Yeah. One and of the best. And there's very limited distribution, as I understand, as I can see, because you know, it doesn't pop up much yet. Okay. In, fr- in freezer aisle, you know. And it's either called Vito and Nick or Nick and Vito's. And here's why I say that. It's got the big name on it, uh-huh. and then you turn it over and read about the history, right? Yeah. Like Home Run Inn on 31st Street or 35th sure. over there, and, and the softball, the and clincher used to come over from the uh, Park District uh, softball and then go through the window, and that's why they're called the Home Run Inn, yada, yada, many years back. So I, I get the veto in because I've heard about it, and the, the picture is delicious. I mean, it looks delicious, right, the picture. and uh, But I've been tricked before. We've all been tricked sure before by the picture. Yeah. And it's really good. It's yeah. really good. But here's the thing. So I turn it over to read about the, its family history, right? And they on the front it says, for instance, big, you know, Vito and Nick. Then you turn it over and it says, our name is really Nick and Vito. Okay. But everybody says it wrong. Or... I might have reversed this, and the front says Nick and Vito, and the back you turn goes, "Our name is really Vito and Nick." Okay, but everyone's but they said we know you're legitimate if you come in and say our name wrong. I thought they were going to say you know 
We know you're a longtime legitimate customer, Southside. If, if you you're say coming it right. to say no, yeah, but no, if you say it wrong. Huh. So I didn't know they made it. I'll have to look. Yeah, I can yeah. go for a frozen pizza. Yeah. And uh, you say I, I don't need a special beer uh, with like beer with taco no. taco beer. No, you got you, you know beer for tacos uh, from <laughs> off color. You can have anything. Uh, stouts aren't the best for pizza, but uh-huh. you, can, you can have a stout. Right. Yeah, you can have whatever you want. Yeah. Just like if you want ketchup in your hot dog, you can mm-hmm. have that. If you want to do the wave at a baseball game, you can do that. You can do whatever you want. It's a land. We're free in this country. You can ask uh, Anthony Rizzo to toss you to foul ball he just caught, even you though there's only ask. one out. You could ask. So, uh, yeah. It'd be the wrong thing to do, but you could ask. So I've got a new one. You know, on Saturdays, Fred, we always try to either not talk about something that's been talked about or have a new angle, right? That's, you know, it's sort of our, our job. Oh, another bear left practice with a hamstring injury. Don't even say it. I don't even want to hear. Another guy with a groin injury. Someone important? No, you don't know the names. Jordan Williams Lambert, a wide receiver, oh, left with a hamstring. Okay, you scared me. Don't even do this. Okay. Quarterback Jonathan Mincy. Okay. Groin I thought injury. sure you are going to say Adam Shaheen. No. Adam Shaheen. I went to Vegas and I... I thought you said someone important. I got a million to one in, in, in Vegas yeah. on Shaheen to uh, play Catch 16 it. games. Wow. You got a bargain. You got a bargain. I should have put a dollar down. I only put a penny. <laughs> Ten grand wouldn't be bad. Now, Tariq Cohen shows up and don't click the dial with his three wheel roadster, right? Uh huh. They call it the Polaris slingshot. Yep. All right. Tariq, come back. We're not Slow done. down, Tariq. We're not done running wind sprints. Starting price it said of thirty one grand. Okay, whatever. Okay. So that's it? Well that's the starting price. Yeah, okay. but the insurance is gonna be twice your mortgage <laughs> on that thing. Very good, Eric. You're all done for today. You can go home. That was great. You can't top that one. That was excellent. Thank you. So uh let's see, according to reports, Cohen ripped ripped through the parking lot in a three wheeled roadster. Pulled up with music thumping. Stepped out with the Walter Payton number 34 jersey. Yeah, he looked great. He did. He looked great. Yep. Cohen began his day with a 90-mile drive from Vernon Hills to Bourbonis, now called Bourbon A. Uh, starting retail price, $30,999.99. I didn't go over 25 miles an hour, Cohen said. And he took the interstate because I don't think he took Route 45 like I do. But anyway, the coach wasn't real happy. Uh, but he took Taylor Gabriel, was brave enough to ride in the ride shotgun in the slingshot, according to Jordan Leiser on the Bears beat in the Sun-Times. And every all's well that ends well, right? Yeah. You know what worried me a little, Fred? That just goes back. E-11... One of the bear greats back in the day before your grandpappy was even, uh, was Willie Gallimore. It's a fun look, Eric, on YouTube. Willie Gallimore was a running back for the Bears when they were, eh, won their uh, world, their Super Bowl. They don't call it that now in 63. Great shift. Sort of a Terry Cohen type of guy. Shifty. You can YouTube Willie Gallimore and see what I'm talking about. So... They're doing the top 100 in the Tribune, uh, you know, this this uh, summer. Yeah, I think Richie Pettibone was today. He was. Buffone, yeah. our buddy, last week. Uh, Mark uh, Potash will be doing his in the Sun-Times. Willie Gallimore, all right? Willie Gallimore was feeling better than he had in a long time, his surgery, and he was at the 1964 Bears camp back then. It was in a town called Rensselaer, Indiana. 
of Farrington, a fourth-year player, a uh, big contributor, one of the Bear all-time greats to this day. Uh, similar to Walter Payton, uh, many said uh, years later. Willie Gallimar, uh, 29-year-old at the time, father of three, right? This is okay. in Canada, about like this time of the year. Uh, three young children. He was coming into his own off the field. He'd become a civil rights leader in his hometown, St. Augustine, Florida. A few weeks earlier, this again in 64, he was the first as it says here, uh, first black person to register as a guest at the town's Ponce de Leon Motor Lodge. On July 27th, 1964, Gallimore was driving with his teammate, wide receiver, John Bo Farrington. Uh-huh. Back from the Cross Creek Country Club, where they'd gone after practice to purchase some pizzas. And they were going to share at a player's get-together uh, later that evening uh, at training camp in Rensselaer, Indiana. I remember this. It's so terrible. Tragic. While heading back to the uh, dorms at the St. Joseph's College where the Bears all were training in Rensselaer with his passenger wide receiver Farrington, Gallimore's Volkswagen skidded off a curvy country road a back wheel of this Volkswagen collapsed. Uh-huh. The car flipped. Both men were ejected, hit by the vehicle, killed on impact. I'll never forget this. I was a young Bears fan. Yep. I don't really have much more to add to that except, you know, just be careful. You know, they... He didn't, they didn't have seatbelts back then, and a, the Volkswagen was not a $30,000, it was probably a $300 car. They made no money, uh-huh. you know. But anyway, just chilling, and I flash back to this story, you know, and, uh, I don't know, overreacting, but just something to flash back and, you know, just, you know, whatever. Yep, they got to be careful. Got to be careful. Uh-huh, you never know every uh, time you walk out the door. How about this? The Eastland Tragedy. Now, this is well-known by longtime Chicagoans. It sort of hasn't been... And Channel 11 did a great documentary uh, on this recently. A, uh, uh, the Eastland was a, uh, a, a boat that traveled uh, from Lake Michigan across... Uh, well, uh, the SS Eastland, this is 20, the year 1915, was scheduled across Lake Michigan for a telephone company picnic with the big, big company called Western Electric over there on Cicero Avenue and 22nd Street. Your old stomping ground, Fred. Uh, But there were so many people, uh, 2,500 employees were on this big uh, uh, boat, uh, families, to take the trip 7.25 in the morning across Lake Michigan to a big company outing that was scheduled in Michigan City, Indiana. What happened was the crowd was on all around the boat, but they all ran to the one side. It was right here, like in Michigan Avenue or State Street and the river. Right there, we can look out where it happened. They all ran to the side of the boat. EO 11, you should pull that up. Uh, It's an interesting story. The darn boat, the weight of all the people running over, it capsized right here. And people were trapped, drowned right here. Between LaSalle and Clark at the Chicago River, turned on its side, 20 feet of water, 
drown 844 people trapped below the deck. Three days later, the Chicago Tribune listed under the headline Western Electric Employees Missing and Possibly Dead, the name George Hallis. Worked in Department 4110 at Western Electric. As Tim Banyan wrote in the Tribune, the 20-year-old George Hallis had a summer job with Western Electric. Yep. And on Saturday, July 24th, 1915, had planned to join his co-workers above the SS Eastland across Lake Michigan. He was late arriving, was not on the boat. Patrick McCaskey said recently, if George had been on the boat, he probably could have been one of the fatalities. I don't know if the NFL or the Bears would ever have come into existence. Interesting. My mother worked at Western Electric in the 50s and 60s, and no one talked about it, you know. Right. But uh, just a terrible story, and uh, I didn't know about the George Hallis tie-in. Yeah, but, I didn't know anything about the story at all. You can wow. go to YouTube, and there's a, there's a ton uh, of things on YouTube about it. The Eastland disaster, terrible yeah. still to this day. This was our, this was our uh, feel-good moment of the day. I'm sorry. <laughs> well... I cheated on my pizza guy. Ca- but- you got a you got a car accident killing two bears and a and a boat turning over and how many eight, how many people died eight eight hundred. So he's saying I should have done this at nine oh one. Back in a flash, Murph and Freddie, ESPN one. Feel bad for all eight hundred. Oh yeah, On the home stretch, Murph and Fred, and the National League standings. Well, Cubs have been, what, about 30 days on top? Not today. St. Louis, they lead the National League Central one game in front of the Cubs. Yeah, the first time the Cubs are out of first since July 3rd. Okay, all month just about. Yep. And the Brew Crew in third, two games back. So that means St. Louis in first, Cubs a game behind them, Milwaukee a game behind the Cubs. St. Louis, it appears, is the team to worry about, Fred. If you're they got hot all Cubs of a sudden. Fan. Yeah, Goldschmidt got hot yep. with homers in five straight games. Mm-hmm. Uh, homered again last night. They were losing 3-2. It's a three-run homer. They win 5-3 over Houston. Uh, they're playing the, a really good Astros team right now. And uh, see, John Lester, you need John Lester to be the stopper again. You need, uh, you need him to step up. Uh, he was supposed to be pitching the other day. Didn't feel well. So they moved him to today's outing. And so he goes against Chase Anderson to that at 6-10. Lester throws on uh, seven days rest. And uh, Quintana tomorrow on seven days rest. What's interesting, uh, Joe Madden, or they, he, he calls them the geek squad all the time now. They flip-flopped. In other words, Quintana was scheduled to start yesterday. And uh, they leapfrogged Hendricks in front of him uh, on, sh- on uh, regular rest to give Quintana three more days rest. It's odd. They either, they, they felt, see, if Hendricks had the extra day or two, maybe he could have gone. Yeah, maybe he could have. Seven innings, eight innings more comfortably. Yeah, the one thing about uh, Joe's decision, he's had 90 pitches through five. If you run him back out there, there's not a chance you're going to have to give somebody else a dirty inning. So that he's not going to be able to get everybody out in 10 or 12 pitches. And maybe you don't want him going 100, 105, right. 110. Exactly. So it, it made sense. It was the easiest second guess for everyone. What's Joe thinking, Lee and Right. He's not 
a 115-pitch guy, Hendricks. He's coming off shoulder impingement just 30 days ago. He's a guy that goes 90. Uh, he pitched well. He 95. pitched really well yesterday. Yeah. He was throwing, he was beating guys with his high fastball, which uh, which was surprising to me. So what he would, was doing it. I'm sorry. What would the second guessers be saying if Joe left him in there? Like you say, he runs it up to 112 pitches. And then they go, well, you know what? That shoulder sort of tightened up again on him. They go, Joe, you're an idiot. Why'd you keep him in? Yeah. It's all second guessing. Well, the whole thing's frustrating because, uh, you I know. thought the TV post was really, really. I don't know what they were. Was, they changed everything well, in pitching. It was Years rough. ago, they've changed everything in pitching. Pitching should, Pitchers should be able to go the distance. Well, sure. Pitchers should be able to go longer. Yeah. Oh, they're not trained that well, way. Don't. Well, you know what? Start training them that way from a younger age now because right. this is ridiculous. Um, well, that's not the pitcher's fault you're saying. No, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just yeah. emphasizing that. Yeah, the whole the whole game has changed. Well, you yeah. know when they face a guy a third time? Well, yeah, because it's already in their head that they got to get out. Yeah. So, of course, well, it's going to happen. Well, these guys used to throw 150 pitches in high school and 150 pitches in college. You know what? Maybe they shouldn't throw so many between innings. Forget oh. the eight pitches All between right. innings. Yeah. The guy goes five, that's 40 extra pitches he's throwing already. What Come a, on. Thank all our guests, Ned Coletti. Thank you, Ned. Talking about the July 31st trading deadline coming up from the big chair. Jesse Rogers from Milwaukee has about two or three bratwurst. Uh, now he's ready to chop down on Dan Shaka from our lads. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and don't forget, you. I'll be back tomorrow. Um, from 10 until 12, right after Black and Abdallah, Eric Ostrowski, uh, he's doing double duties, producer for me and those guys tomorrow morning. Double duty Radcliffe. Uh-huh. Hey, I want to go see now Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, QT's new movie, Murph and Fred saying, thanks for listening, thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.